It sure is boring around here. Hey, wait, what's this happened to me? Eh, no big deal. I better go find the king. Link, have you seen my charming and brilliant daughter, Zelda? She's always off deciding affairs of state for me, but how could I be the king of Hyrule if I didn't take advantage of our nation's cash crop? By the way, when did you turn yellow with leaves sprouting from your nose? Sire, I can see it's your lunch hour. I'll come back later. Hurry back and be sure to bring your evil shadow, too. I'll keep your good shadow with me. How about a kiss? For luck. You've got to be kidding. Yeah, Link, what did you just do to me? I know better to ever let you into my personal space, but don't you ever put words into my mouth again! Well, excuse me, princess. What makes you think I did it? Lord Ganon, your plan seems to be success. What will you do now? Time to bring him here, using my lovely teleport magic. With Link's wits scattered about him, now I can destroy him at last! Those pieces of the Triforce! Sweet! Why works? Oh, okay. Wow! What are all those heads? Lord Ganon! Link has been reduced to a Nimrod! Let's kill him! Link, what are you doing? I can make stupid comments on my own! When I'm crouching, you can make me do the duck walk! Stop the chatter and die! Watch out, Zelda. Why'd you do that? I just saved you from Ganon! There you go again! Stop it right now, I'm cutting off the air conditioning in your room! Lord, can't I kill them? The bickering, it hurts our ears! No problem, this time... No! Not into the pit, it burns! I just wonder what Ganon's up to. Lord! We're going to start saying things like the, that? Ah, no, this cannot be. I have to undo the spell. It's affecting me now, too. Go away and let me forget those sounds wherever I heard We will. We will. I want those pieces of the Triforce. Sweet. Why? <laughs> That's funny. Usually the people who appear in front of me are singing about citrus fruit, and I don't know them. I'm still not sure what happened, Princess, but we're back, and you should be grateful to be alive. Kiss me, Princess. For winning by accident? I don't think so. Well, excuse me, Princess. Strap on your swords. Ready your spells. You're about to enter the heart of a dungeon filled with computer and console RPGs from way back when, right up through yesteryear. To get you through this maze that's dripping with danger, we've gathered the best men and women from RP Gamer to watch your back. Some of you have never entered this area before. You're in for quite a fight. For others, this return visit can only be described as an RPG backtrack. Here are the party leaders for this expedition, Phil Willis and Mike Minky. And welcome to RPG Backtrack number 52, The Land of Hyrule. I am your host, Phil Willis, and this is my co-host, Mr. Mike Minky. Hello, am I, am, I, am I supposed to say a few words here? Please do. Thank You're you, people. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. I know all of you are glad to hear me. It's just so good to be here. God darn it. Mr. Mr. Miki, your adorning public is 
awfully excited to hear your beautiful voice once again. Yes, I'm sure that you'll stitch in some applause later so that everyone will know just how glad they are. <laughs> and we have a, a gaggle of guests to help talk us about to help talk about all these Zelda games you have lined up today. Why don't you introduce them this time? <clears throat> Michael Apps, also known as Wheels, has returned. Hello. Cassandra Ramos, also known as Strawberry Eggs, has returned. Hello, everyone. And Charles Reimer, also known as Clicks, is back. Thank you. We are taking on how many games tonight? A quartet. <laughs> well, we talk about a ton of Zelda games, and if we have energy and time, we're going to try to sneak in a little PC pit stop action. We'll see how that goes. So, we better dive right into this, not waste any time whatsoever. Oh, there's probably a couple of retro game things to talk about, but we'll have to put that off for another time because we need to dive right into the action here. We're going to take a brief moment while you listen to some classic Zelda music. this off talking about the first game that started the great and awesome Zelda series, The Legend of Zelda. Whoa, and this thing has been out on way too many systems to list, but it was first release, of course, in Japan uh, for the, uh, what was it, the Famicom, I think it was called over there, and later on on our Nintendo. Uh, yep. it, it, it was released over there on February 21st, 1986. Um, hmm, doesn't say exactly when the English version came over, how rude. <laughs> It was 1986 sometime, wasn't it? Yeah. Well, it was pretty... That I thought read somewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a single-player action-adventure slash RPG game for your Nintendo Entertainment System. Rated F for fun. I think so, anyways. So, should, should we get the million-dollar question out of the way right now? Which one is that? There are several million. No, don't questions. do it. Don't do it. <laughs> <sighs> that could take up an entire podcast. I know it. it could. I know it could. So let's try to let's try to limit our discussion to the positive answer here. Okay. The question is <laughs> why why are we talking about the Legend of Zelda on a podcast about role playing games, much less a web which has to do with the why our website, which is about role-playing games, covers it, when it in no way, shape, or form seems to adhere to any of the, or most of the traditions of a role-playing game. And uh, so let's just, let's not make this a big, huge debate, and say let's focus on the positive reasons uh, why those of us who think it's a role-playing game, <laughs> role-playing game, and, uh, and maybe if we have a lot of dissension among the ranks, we'll, uh, we'll invite uh, Roy to do a uh, RPG sanctum on it one day. <laughs> so, Mr. Reimer. Why don't you start us off? 
why is The Legend of Zelda considered an RPG, and why are we talking about it on RPG Backtrack? Well, um, one of our most important rules is if the publisher says it's an RPG, we kind of go with what they say. They called um, Ocarina of Time an RPG and later on Majora's Mask. And, they're, and you can actually see this if you go into the virtual console. They fall under the RPG section of the genres. Um, and by grandfather clause, every other game's included, even though they haven't done that since. It was just kind of a you know advertisement back in the N64 days when RPGs were about as common, I don't know, as... Uh, Starvation and a fat convention. <laughs> well, yeah, Phil. Let's let's re- let's uh, go back a little bit. How common were releases of RPGs for the original Nintendo? Uh, we were getting what one or two a year. Pretty much the pretty much about the same amount of RPGs I'm getting on my PlayStation lately. <laughs> Especially in 1986. Mm, indeed. Indeed, indeed. Um, does anybody else want to add to Mr. Reimer's thought on that? Mr. Apps, Cassandra, Mr. Minky? I'll well, let I... someone else go first because I don't have a clearly constructed argument. I'll well, go <laughs> that leaves you, Cassandra. Go! <laughs> uh, well, I don't really consider them RPGs either, but I suppose a lot of... Uh... Early uh, console RPGs were probably at least partially inspired by The Legend of Zelda, the whole exploration thing and the wide open world, your Dragon Quests, your Final Fantasies, your Mothers, I'm sure, even perhaps even Fantasy Star. I suppose that works. <laughs> there you go. Now, for me, I mean, I was, I was, I was getting into D and D and pen and paper, you know, RPG around that time and whatnot. Legend of Zelda uh, was, in my mind, it felt like, uh, you know, my pen and paper RPG. You know, the 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 main device in playing a pen and paper uh, role playing game isn't the paper or the dice. In fact, a lot of the times when I played D and D, I had neither of those available to me. <laughs> And it's called pen and paper. Go figure. Uh, my friend and I would sit out in the woods, and uh, we had some of the rule books and stuff with us. But oftentimes we didn't have uh, d- we didn't have dice at all. Uh, we we made up numbers with a calculator or whatever we could find, uh, you know, to do that with. But the main component of those things was our imagination. And uh, basically, D and D provides the framework, and you bring the imagination to the table uh, of your character, and you know, putting that together. Imagine your character in an open world where you can do just about anything. Those are were the core elements to me at the time of what an RPG really was. Uh, much less so than arguments about mechanics or anything else. So when I get a hold of a Legend of Zelda. And, uh, you know, I'm faced with this big, huge open world right from the get-go where I can go anywhere. I walk into caves and people talk to me and I can buy things. Um, I have to find these, you know, these hidden dungeons. And when I do and I defeat their, uh, you know, I work my way through the dungeon, I sort of uh, level up with an extra heart. And I usually find weapons along the way. And certainly not the traditional XP leveling up, but it, it, it you know, for all intents and purposes, I felt like I was I was leveling up, uh, buying stronger weapons and, and armor and that sort of thing as well. So it, it it had a lot of the elements that would provoke my imagination uh, to make me feel that I was really uh, a, a character in a huge. Uh, uh, world full of adventure and danger and things like that, and and that to me was uh, and still is, you know, the core elements of what really makes an RPG. I think now 
nowadays in the 21st century we have different expectations as what to provokes you know what provokes that type of uh, thought process uh, nowadays uh, you probably couldn't release the same thing and expect to call it an rpg um but uh, uh back then oh yeah it was huge i really felt like i was playing some sort of video game version of of D in a way of speaking anybody else want to add to that no, nope, fair enough then. All righty. You win. <laughs> Woohoo! <laughs> That's good because I said it's a one-sided argument anyways. <laughs> uh, if you don't agree with us, put your comments at rpgamer.com forward slash, what is it, board forum, something like that. Yeah. All right. Go protest You're on our forums. For it with that one. Yay! Debate! Because <laughs> we're not allowed to by rules. Aww. Yeah, I mean, I know that. We've decided it's never allowed to be discussed ever again unless we say it's okay. It's not. <laughs> it's not. <laughs> oh, oh well. Um, this is board, so we can say whatever we want here. There you go. You can go post on my own private board. At, no, I'm just kidding. All right. So uh, let's talk about the story of The Legend of Zelda. This ought to be quick. <laughs> What'd you say? Save the princess. Save the princess. There you go. Um Guy. Is, is this one of those games where half the story was in the well all the story was in the instruction book i don't remember what the instruction book had in it i don't know i mean i the only thing i've really played it this was like the first five minutes and i was on the gba port mm-hmm. and i <sighs> turned it on and i was just in the middle of a field i didn't even say go say princess it literally just put me there so i assume <laughs> yes all context was in the manual and I, I did see the manual. I remember it was nice and colorful and huge, lots of pretty illustrations of Hyrule. And yes, there was a fairly involved backstory in the manual. And, I mean, to be fair, it wasn't uh, atypical for uh, games to put the bulk, if not the whole story, into the instruction book. <laughs> um, but, um, uh, yeah, late, later iterations would do a much better job with that. Much later iterations. Um, so, so not a whole lot of talking going on. You got that cave right there. The first guy's like, here's a sword. I mean, that's all I really remember because I didn't spend a whole lot of time on the instruction book. I, I did gleam enough of it to know that I was going out to the world to save the princess, and that's all I pretty much needed to know. So I, I had to go back to the instruction book every once in a while to see if it had some hints as to what I have to do next because, dang it, I beat the fifth dungeon and I can't find the sixth dungeon for the life of me. And heaven help you if you actually beat the game. And and I don't remember if it tells you at the end of the game because I read a Nintendo Power, but you unlock that second world, uh, the second run-through, where all the dungeons are harder and more hidden. <laughs> I don't know how anybody finds some of those dungeons in the in the second world without the Nintendo. I think that was designed specifically to make you go out and buy Nintendo Power. So I I didn't have the the, the I was only able to finish the first quest because uh, it must have been Nintendo Power that I had access to. Yeah, I mean that was the bomb back in the day. I mean you didn't have the AQs or anything else, so you you, you either had a Nintendo Power or you really hoped that you had a friend who did because some of those things were a, a bit tough to find and. I don't know. I mean, there was a couple of NPCs uh, that would give you little clues uh, here and there. Some of them would ask for money to give you a clue, and that would help you. And there was one guy who, if you bombed your way into his cave, would make you pay for the damages. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, unless you started going around and bombing every single wall. I think that was even the last dungeon uh, in the first world was you had to 
Uh, I don't think there was really any strong indication of where Ganon's dungeon was at. You just it, had it to was, bomb walls. It was alongside one of those double rocks on Death Mountain, and you just plant a bomb, and there it is, level 9. Yeah, but how would you know where to plant the bomb if if no one told well, you? Well, it's very simple, Phil. You just bomb everything. Everything, yeah. <laughs> and then you run out of bombs, you have to go buy some more, or kill a lot of stuff for it. Yeah, that's real fun. Okay, maybe that wasn't so much fun. <laughs> Um, but, uh, it was definitely lacking in some of the hints that you need to get through. And again, I think that was just kind of the push of the Nintendo power, but, um, uh, I had a Nintendo power or, or a friend who had one. And so I was able to get through some of those rougher spots and figure out what those evil little dungeons were hiding at. So, um, did anybody else play this all the way through back in the day? Not back in the day. Yeah, definitely not back in the day. Oh, not really back in the day. Okay, my story is a little unique here. I was stranded in Oregon in the summer of 1998 and with nothing to do for hours at a time in someone else's house, and there was Nintendo hooked up with Legend of Zelda, so I spent all the time I could on that TV because there was nothing else to do. And I don't know if 1998 counts as back in the day, but I didn't have internet access, so it was certainly closer to back in the day than anybody who played it in more recent years. So that's my experience. Yeah, I think I, back in the day. I think '88 qualifies as back in the day. '98. <laughs> oh, '98. Oh, oh, okay. Well, that may not be so much back in the day. What did you play it on? The Nintendo. Oh, close enough. It wasn't on anything else at the time. Yeah. All right. So, how did y'all? How did the rest of y'all play? It, those of you who played it all the way through, or at least past the first dungeon or something. On an NES. All right. The way it was meant to be played in the 80s. Woohoo! How far did you get? When, um, not that far because there was no internet, so there was no way to go online to figure out how to get through the Lost Woods. And no Nintendo Power. He had to get you through the Lost Oh, man, that was a pain in the butt. Running into the Lost Woods without the Nintendo Power could cause a sense of panic to set in. But I thought yeah. there was – was there an NPC somewhere that told you how to get through that? There aren't really any NPCs except for the guys you find in caves, though. They're well, those are NPCs. That game. That, what do you think they, they're called? Those are NPCs? You, you pay also, I, I seem to remember that Nintendo didn't do a, a great translation job, although in 1986, who would have noticed? Sure. Incredibly vague, for sure. Smoke <laughs> <laughs> anyone? Shoot. So yeah, if you didn't have yeah, at some point, even on the first, even on the first uh, run through, it, without a without a Nintendo Power or somebody there to help you through some of those uh, some of those things, I I don't know of too many people who actually had the endurance to keep bombing every single wall or do every combination in the forest and things like that to get through some of the harder little puzzle mechanics of the game. Hiding the dungeons that was just evil. <laughs> or the one that you find by burning the bush. Burning the bush, remember that oh, one? Right. Oh yeah. It's, like on, it's not even on a corner, right? Isn't it? Like, yeah. Yeah. Like in? In the middle of somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. It's in a slightly select or something. Yeah, you have to burn. And it's like the one weapon you probably aren't whipping out and using on every enemy. You know. Yeah. yeah. How, how, how honestly, how did anyone beat this game without some kind of assistance? Ah, that's a really great question. You know what? If you have a story of how you beat The Legend of Zelda without any help from a friend or Nintendo Power or later on the internet, please write on our forums and let us know or shoot me off an email, jcservant at rpgamer.com. Um, yeah, because I would love to hear that. I really would. Or send me an audio file. <laughs> 
<sighs> but yeah. Or the dungeon before the one you find by burning the bush, the one that requires you to have the whistle and uh, drain a lake. Uh, right. And I can see that, you know, I mean, I can see that being detrimental to the gameplay for some people. If you just didn't have those sources, <laughs> the game would hit a wall real fast. We're talking about a game from the 80s, though. But it's I mean, the 80s. so many games like that. Yeah. I mean, even on the PC. Yeah, even on the PC, you're playing some of those, uh, adv- you know, point-and-click adventure games and those types, and the text-driven adventure games. Oh, yeah. forget it if you didn't have the hymn book. They wanted you to go out and pay 15 bucks, 20 bucks for those hymn books that you had to use the little color lens to see what the real answer was underneath each question, so it wouldn't spoil it for you. That was awesome. Some of those really early PC RPGs, like Wizardry mm-hmm. games. Mm-hmm. And today, they still do it. There's a few games that I bought that I'd beat my head up against the wall if it wasn't for game facts. It's a little bit more acceptable today, because we all have you know equal, you know, and easy access to it for the most part, but... Still drives me a little bananas. All right, so, um, uh, but uh, you know, definitely the you know for the three people out there who may not have played it, uh, <laughs> you know, this is your real first uh, action slash RPG type of game because you are just controlling Link on the screen. You're pressing the button to fire his sword. When his health is full, his sword actually fires out in all directions, which is very nifty. And you're doing everything you can not to get hit so you can keep firing out the sword at a distance. Um, later on, you get different it's weapons. not easy. No. They'll hurt you badly. <laughs> they will. And, oh, you know what? The best part of being hurt badly was uh, when you're down that one heart, it's going, chirp, 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 chirp. And your mother's like walking down the hallway. the fire alarm going off. What's going on? What, what happened? And you're like, no, mom, I'm just almost dead in Zelda again. Don't worry about it. I'm okay. I got a bottle of life potion. I'm all right. Oh, and hey, does everybody remember that one enemy, which if you happen to have a really good shield, might just eat it? Oh, the like-like. <laughs> yes. Isn't he cute? Wasn't that fun? Cylindrical blob. Very cute. <laughs> well, not only is the creature cute, but what it does to you is cute. He likes to num-num your shield right off. <laughs> Especially after you just paid money for that brand new spanking shield. Oh, that was awesome. I throw my controller at the screen and howl in rage. Yeah. Leaving you with the little piddly shield that won't block anything at that point in the game. Mm-hmm. No, no, yeah. Being left with the piddly shield, not a smart idea. So, yeah, there's definitely some uh, some tough monsters in there that could, you know, give you a run for your money and do some real nasty damage to you. And the shield eating was definitely a pain in the butt, because those things aren't a cheap date. Also, certain rooms in the dungeons turned into side-scrollers, although I don't remember Link being able to jump. Which is unusual since the rest of the series, except for one we're going to talk about soon, dispensed with that pretty much. Remember those little side scrolling rooms you well, treasure? Yeah, it was kind of rem- the treasure rooms. Right? Yeah, the treasure rooms. That was pretty much it. I mean, they, they did have a couple of bats in them. You'd have to try to knock them out with your sword. Uh, yeah, you couldn't, you couldn't jump. Um, but uh, the bats weren't too bad. You just had to stab them with your sword or hit them with a boomerang. No, no, no. Bats in Zelda aren't bats. They're. Are they Vire or Keese? I think they're both. Keese? Yeah. I call them. They look like bats. They're bats. (laughs) Holy cow. That's the thing about Zelda. Like, instead of a jumping spider, it's a tektite or something. What was that? I mean, what the hell, man? It's a spider. Just call it. Can't be be goblins. It has to be moblins. Yeah. It has to be some. They were created in Ganon's own image, so they're not really goblins. They're they're pig goblins. (sighs) (sighs) But those are (laughs) a (laughs) thing. 
Oh, and, uh, this, this was our very first meeting with Gan and the Pigman. Yes. And oddly, I don't remember having that tough a time once I finally made it to the end of level 9. It's really Although, not that hard. Yeah. Assuming you have the sword, I understand there are people who have played through the entire game without the sword, which is insane to me. And you need the the arrows to beat him, too. Oh, yeah. Silver, silver arrows. Silver arrows, yes. Not just the arrows. Right. Hmm. I think you can replayed I think you can wander in, uh, in there without any of those and just be completely screwed, right? I think so. <laughs> I don't I don't think you can leave the boss fight <laughs> once you're in there. Assuming you would ever want to leave Ganon once you finally made it to him, because at that time nobody knew what the hell Ganon looked like, so <laughs> No. It was a big surprise. It's a big surprise. And then Ganon kicked your butt. And you're like, no! And this time I gotta hit to make sure I get a full potion bottle or two, and... Yeah. That was also <laughs> fun, because... What, what was it? If you used up your potion bottle, but then you died and you continued your game, it was still empty, I believe. So you had to go pay for another refill, I think. Yeah. I think that was one of the frustrating things, because you'd rather... If you weren't doing good against Ganon, you'd rather him just kill you off without using up your potions. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if that was possible. I, think, I don't care if the potions kicked in automatically or not. I don't think they did. I think you had to use them. So for some reason, I remember if I wasn't doing well, I'd let him kill me off so I wouldn't use up my potions. And then all I would have to do is just refill my hearts normally before I you know, enter his dungeon. So, uh, it, you know, it was it was huge and massive uh, for its time. Um, I want to say it was something like, what, 64 boards big? Was it 8x8 eight eight or even bigger than that? I think it was bigger than that. It was probably bigger. It might have even been 100 or more. Um, and you, you had the dungeons in. It's pretty big. Oh, and with the dungeons, yeah. I mean, just absolutely. The second quest. And then this, all the different dungeons. Oh, my, my jaw just hit the ground. As if, you know, <laughs> it's if getting through the game one time and seeing all this, you know, all, I mean, just how huge it was the first time around wasn't wasn't awesome enough. Yeah, you go through it a second time, the dungeons are changed and whatnot, and, uh, oh, wow. Yeah, it was just an absolutely massive, massive game, which is saying something. I mean, it had no competition of its type at the time that I can think of that was anywhere well, yeah, close in quality. Other, how many other games in the first generation of Nintendo software actually had a save feature? Um. <laughs> oh, boy, yeah. I don't. I think it wasn't until Final Fantasy that we got another game with a save feature. I could be wrong on that, but that was the next game I got that had save. Uh, there, there might have been a couple of others, but... Um, Did Dragon Quest have it? I think, yeah. It, uh, for the, well, the, the American version, that is. Mm. Yeah, the American version did, but the original Japanese version didn't. <laughs> <laughs> you had to use a password. Ouch. I can't even picture that. Oh, could you imagine? Holy so... cow. Please. Actually, I think I think the second Dragon Quest game also was restricted to passwords in Japan. Are you serious? How many characters? Yes, I'm pretty that sure thing? that it is, and they were really, really long because it's a pretty complex game for passwords. <laughs> well, time to save. Let me get the typewriter. Let me type this up. And hey, what if you messed up like one character? <laughs> Then you're screwed. Oh, oh. Link had a very short journey in that point. Nothing. The, the only thing that could kill him off faster than Ganon was a was a miscapitalized letter. Yeah, <laughs> buddy. L or I? I can't tell. Damn it! 
<laughs> but what was worse was when you had screwed up multiple characters because you didn't know which one it was that was actually wrong. So you had to keep doing, you know, different variations of these combinations of characters that could have been a seven or an L or whatever have you. And you were there all day just retyping them and over and over and over again. It was awesome. I used to, boy, yeah, there's some, there's some memories. I don't miss passwords. So, any other thoughts on the Legend of Zelda before we move on to the next game on the list? Uh, I will say I really enjoyed, and everything I enjoyed, uh, and it really stood out for a game of its time, is just the variety of of different weapons, whether it was the bow and arrow and the boomerang and whatnot. I mean, there was some repetition with power-ups of certain weapons, but uh, it was really neat having access to, you know, the Book of Magic and whatnot and just being able to do, uh, having these different uh, weapons and stuff at your command. I, I mean, aside from just the fact that you'd level up the sword or level up the armor, they, they probably could have gotten by with that and maybe, you know, the... the the bracelet of strength and whatnot to lift up rocks and they you know they didn't have to go all out but they did i mean they you had you know all these different weapons that you'd eventually picked up and and each one you know was definitely strong at doing certain things getting rid of those bunny rabbit heads what the heck were they but they <laughs> would go down i think real quick to the bow and arrow whereas if you zapped them with the sword it would take a while um so it was really cool how they had these different weapons, and you could figure out which ones worked best against which types of enemies, and uh, uh, that was a very nice, uh, a very nice characteristic of the game. Um, well, the first time I played it, I I didn't find the Nintendo Power immediately, so I just wandered around and got into the first two dungeons without any trouble. Then, for some reason, I wasn't able to find either the third, the fourth, or the fifth dungeons. Instead, I managed to find the sixth dungeon. <laughs> Well, that was going to be a short trip. <laughs> yeah, I, didn't last, I didn't last very long, but that just shows you Zelda may not initially seem like a nonlinear game, but the original one, you can play it somewhat out of order if you want to. My getting lost that badly shows you it's possible. You can't find the last two dungeons without the items required, but you can manage to wander into some of the earlier ones perfectly by accident. Mm-hmm. This is true, absolutely. Yeah, and I think I think all I think I remember doing the same thing, running into some of the higher level dungeons before I was supposed to. So, I think I wandered into some of the dungeons before I got that ladder thing, and just got so frustrated because I didn't realize that there was a way to get over like these long expanses of water. I thought I was missing a secret passage or something. Uh. I had something to say. I'm trying to remember what it was. I'm sure it was scintillating and informative, whatever it was. Oh, jeez. Because as we all know, everything I say is absolutely riveting. It is. We hang off of every word which drips from your lips. Whatever it was, it must not have been important. Oh, wait, I'm radioactive. What's that? Never mind. <laughs> it's it's a Steve Martin routine. Uh, well, might be a loss on us, but perhaps one of our audience members will get it. Yes, audience members who ca- who have telekinesis and the ability to read minds, just tell me, what was I thinking, and then put that thought in my head.
And speaking of another thing that few people get, The Adventure of Link, Zelda 2, or reverse that. Um, Zelda 2, The Adventure of Link, was uh, developed and published by Nintendo, uh, released on January 14th, 1987, an action RPG single-player experience, rated E for everybody, or E for evil, depending on who you ask. In early 1987 in Japan... And then this took an extremely long time to cross the ocean, isn't that right? Hmm. Uh, you might be right here. Let's see here. Uh, NES North America, uh, December first, nineteen eighty-eight. So we had to wait over two, almost two whole years for something that clearly didn't require that much translation. <laughs> Wasn't like they had like you know thousands of words of text to go through here, people. And and looking at the results of Nintendo's localization, I have to say. The time was not very well spent. <laughs> but this one I never actually played, so I can't say much more about it. Ay, 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 ay. Um, well, did anybody else play this but me? Yes, unfortunately. Recently, very recently. Very recently. Well, let's start with the very recent first. Uh, well, I downloaded it a couple of weeks ago, actually, in preparation for the episode on the virtual console, and I beat it to early like or, or, like late last week and it boy is it ever tough i'm not i thought i was very i normally pretty bad at platforming and such but i somehow did it with perseverance stubbornness and a whole lot of game packs yeah zelda zelda 2 will bend you over her knee spank you and then kick you in the shins as you try to walk away with That's what little lately. what with what little self-respect you have left yeah. <laughs> so it was really, really tough in your opinion, but um, uh, grueling early Nintendo difficulty aside, oh, what did you like or not like about the game? Uh, well, it's interesting in that it's largely different from most other Zelda games, even the more recent ones. You know, it's side-scrolling, Link can jump all the time instead of needing an item, depending on certain games. Uh, it's also had some things that you would see in later games carried over, like uh, he could learn different sword techniques, like he can learn to spike upwards or spike downwards. Uh, he can learn magic, which is in Ocarina of Time and probably in some other games, I don't know. And oh yeah, there were towns and you could talk to people, even though most of them didn't have much to say. <laughs> There's more dialogue in the first game, but otherwise <laughs> it wasn't really much to say. <laughs> and, thing, and also the story, like barely any story, even though like the like the manuals I understand had like this huge backstory on Link, like you know coming of age, and he like he has a triforce of courage is about is going to appear in his hand or something, and he has to wake up the original Zelda who sparked the legend, who knows how many years ago, and uh, he has to be careful because the forces of Ganon are trying to kill him so they can use his blood to bring him back. It sounds all so amazing, except it's all there in the manual when you start the game up. He start just you know he's actually in a temple with the sleep, Zelda sleeping there, and he you just walk out and you have no idea what you're doing if you don't know about that backstory. Still, his Ganon's followers using Link's blood to revive their leader is kind of dark for a Nintendo made game. True, and, and on the game over, you actually saw like it said game over, return of Ganon. You see a silhouette there, you know, menacingly staring at you, and you hear a lat like a menacing laugh. It's actually pretty neat, even in this day and age. 
Yeah, it actually shows you what happens if you fail. Mr. Apps! You will a lot. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Why don't you tell us about that, Mr. Apps? Well, I had, I suppose, the misfortune of playing this as a child, and this game is way too difficult for, like, a a 10-year-old or however old I was at the time. This game is too hard for a 30-year-old. What are you talking about? Just uh, you're a 24-year-old. <laughs> it's just, uh, I don't even know how to even explain the difficulty. The enemies are punishing. There's little room for error. There's some platforming elements to deal with. It's just, ugh. And if you can't figure out to go, good luck, like, wandering, wandering through some of the dungeons. Mm-hmm. Oh, and there's somewhat random encounters as well as you're walking. They around as well be random. They spawn all the you know they spawn randomly, and you can barely you can almost never escape from those yeah. little shadows. They may as well be random. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's just how they love you. And there are no hearts either in like rocks or pots or being by enemies. You have to no. some, some enemies might drop potions, and if you have the heal spell by then, you might be able to like kill them over and over again. Get enough of those magic potions. Heal yourself and then rinse and repeat until you're fully healed and fully, mag- like, magicked up. That's how I managed to beat the game. Like, I spent, like, you know, I could spend up to an hour almost. More like a half hour. Like, constantly letting letting those, like, slime enemies respawn, kill them, hope they drop a potion, and then rinse, wash, repeat until I'm completely healed up and I can continue in the, through the dungeon. Yeah, if, if you mess up and get, like, you know, get hit by a bunch of enemies that you shouldn't have, you're pretty much screwed. <laughs> you might as well just die and start start wherever you are over. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, 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 now, I mean, I played it uh, probably around uh, 1990, a couple years after it came out. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, it was... Um, it, yeah, it was really, really tough. Again, I had a you know I had a power Nintendo guide. Otherwise, I probably wouldn't have made a pinch to the first dungeon. But um, but using that as my handy guide, and back then when I had lots of time and and had nothing else to do but to go back and try the same game after it made me angry and I threw the controller at the screen. Um, yeah, I eventually made my way all the way through it. It is a really, really tough game. That certainly can't be understated. I thought it was interesting. It felt more, a little bit more RPG to me, you know, in relation to D&D because you did have things like experience points and you could cast spells with the magic point system. Uh, that was very interesting to me because I was used to playing in D&D where you had the D&D pre-memorized spell type of thing and whatnot. Um, and um, um, It, 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 you know, but it, it was that difficult. You'd hit some of these dungeons, and you just hit a brick wall where you'd, you know, run into enemies that would just knock you right back into the huge pits that's right behind them. And uh, but you had like three, what was it three lives or something? I remember having lives in there, and when you died, like you had to like restart all the way back in Zelda's Temple or something. Uh, it's been a few. It's been, and a, you lost all your experience points too. Oh, is that what happened? See, it's been like <laughs> twenty years, so. Yeah, it's a brutal game that makes you lose experience. Well, it's kind of unusual for an RPG typish game to have lives in the first place. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but boy, you were dependent on every life, boy. Going through some of those hard dungeons, I mean, you just... Oh, oh my gosh, every time you lose... Um, 
Yeah, every time you lose a life, it's like, <gasps> no, I don't want to. I don't want the game to restart. No, especially if you're like far away from the temple, and it's, you're gonna like, you might end up losing a life trying to get back to where you were before. Like that was like like my biggest headache was trying to get to the last uh, dungeon, the great temp palace temple, whatever that is. Like I, I think I died like, they almost ten times trying to get from the temple. Trying to get from like the temple you start from to that last palace. Thankfully, mm-hmm. first of all, that if you did lose your last life in the Great Palace, you start at the beginning of the Great Palace. Thank any god that's out there. <laughs> Other, but you getting there was still a gigantic pain. Mm-hmm. Okay. But it'd be a good idea to come there with all your lives intact, right? Yeah, but I, I, I actually did that, and I managed to still lose all of them, and I just, I somehow, by sheer luck, and again, perseverance and stubbornness, managed to get through it on my last life to the Great Palace. I don't know how, I just, I, I lost all of them. Oh no, now I remember why. I stupidly hit the save and quit instead of the continue, and that, and the save and quit maybe go all the way back to the palace. That's how. Oh. Yeah. I, I thought it was, I thought it was both, but no, it's just continue. If you do the save and quit in the Great Palace, you're gonna go back to Zell. To where Zell's sleeping. Hmm. Yeah. How nice. Mm-mm-mm. It's satisfying to beat that game, but it kind of makes you wonder if the frustration is really worth it. And the hair it's, loss. It's really not. <laughs> no. No, I mean, it was one thing that, you know, when back in that day, if you had, you know, pretty much squeezed the enjoyment out of Zelda 1... Uh, there wasn't too many other games at the time that kind of, you know, was was a nice mix of RPG and side-scrolling. What'd you have to go with it? Simon's Quest? I mean, just... <clears throat> so, I mean, it was oh, our... Xanadu. Phil! Xanadu. <laughs> How about the Rambo game on Nintendo? Oh, the one that copied this. Oh, jeez. I, I missed that one. <laughs> Fortunately, it sounds like. Wow. So, well, um, definitely if you're looking for a great nostalgic kick, knock yourself out. But don't be surprised if uh, by the second dungeon you're ready to throw the controller at the screen and go back and play a modern Zelda game that's actually fun. Um, now, this... now, according to the nerds video of this, Death Mountain, the third area, is the worst of them. You know, I... I, I mean, that's getting, trying to get to the Great Palace, but that's just me. I didn't die anywhere nearly as much in that. Okay. Hmm. Again, I haven't played it. I'm just going off of outside information. Right. Death, Death Mountain, isn't that the area where you have to, like, jump down a bunch of holes to yeah, find that's the it. Master Sword or something? Oh, uh, well, it was to find... Not the Master Sword. It was to find something. What was it? Uh, it was to find... Oh, the hammer, so you could smash those rocks that's that are... That's right, the hammer. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Um, we mentioned some of the items in the first game... How are they different in the second game? You don't really use them. <laughs> well, you use them sometimes. I mean, you yeah. had, you had the raft, which you could use to get to the other side of the other continent. Again, the hammer to smash some rocks. Uh, you used the you, you got a glove. I forgot what it was called, but you could use to um, smash blocks in certain dungeons. And uh, there was what else? Uh, can't recall right now. <laughs> played this recently <laughs> and isn't that fine fellow who says i am error present in this game 
Yeah, but his name is Air. I mean, it's, I, I don't. I guess it's kind of funny that a guy in a video game is named Air, and it's like it does big words, so it looks kind of funny. But he's just saying his name is Air. Like my niece saying, "I, I am strawberry eggs." Am I literally saying I am some freakish combination between poultry products and fruit? No. Wait, you're not. No, oh, I'm not. Oh crap, man! That's what I've been thinking this whole time. Wow. Oh boy. So, um, and it seems like uh, it seems like uh, as people go back and they play it nowadays, um, yeah, they a lot of people experience that frustration very quickly. A lot of the uh, reviews from the more modern websites out there gave it like uh, an average of like six and a half out of ten. So, definitely not the highlight of Zelda. Though I understand there are Zelda games that are even worse than this. But we'll hold off no, on that. No, no, <laughs> no, no. <laughs> Actually, Phil, uh, there are a fair number of people who seem to really like this one just because it is very unique among all the other Zelda games. I mean, I, I mean, I did uh, frustratingly enjoy back in the day, but you know, like with uh, many of the old Nintendo games that were really tough and whatnot, a lot of us like those games despite uh, their. Uh, grueling level of difficulty because that's kind of the way games were number one uh, and number two you really you know back in those days we really didn't have much else to do anyway so it was either that or go play Atari and Atari was just boring look how, how many people love Kid Icarus oh Kid Icarus oh my gosh talk oh. that I can't beat yes that uh. I don't think I'll ever beat it I left it alone <laughs> that game. Mm. I beat this game but I did I cannot beat Kid Icarus I, I mean, can't death in Castlevania either, but uh. <laughs> Zelda Two is an interesting idea, but hmm. not exactly the greatest execution. Hmm. Oh, they kept some of the interesting, like some of the more interesting ideas, like Link learning new moves at least. But yeah, yeah right now, thankfully they dumped, and especially the difficulty. Maybe if they'd done something like this on the Super Nintendo after they did Super Metroid, it probably would have been a lot, a lot better. Another thing that the nerds video told me is that in towns, Link is healed from a woman who takes him inside her house and uh, administers a service to him. This is true. Yes, but there's also in some later towns an old woman who takes him into her house to heal his magic. <laughs> so, yeah, wrap your head around that. Wow, Link must be really hurting. <laughs> But yeah, if I'd just been pounded by this game, I might be willing to submit to the ministrations of just about anybody. Yeah. <laughs> <sighs> boy, oh boy, oh boy. All right. Any, oh, what was that? We, we never did the price roundup for the first one, did we? Oh, pff, Legend of Zelda. I mean, it was, it was, it's, it, it's, isn't it like free or something? I, 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 I swear I got it on my. Oh, 3DS for... Oh, that's an ambassador program. Um, you know... <laughs> yeah. There's a program called Zelda Classic that's just the original Zelda, and you can... It's got, like, a level editor and stuff that, for some reason, Nintendo has never shut down. Yeah, that's an interesting little really quick sidebar, but uh, what about... Uh, do, do I've seen uh, websites that have, like, this new Zelda, and it looks just like the graphics look like they're ripped right from the uh, the original Zelda game, but just looking at the screenshots is clearly something that was uh, homebrewed, you know, after the fact. It's not... I mean, it's not the Zelda I grew up with. What, what, what do, you, do any of y'all know about this project? Can you help, help me understand more? Uh, no. 
I can't anyway. <laughs> Uh, well, the the version I played had like all the original sprites from the original game. It was essentially the original game, just it had a level editor, and you can bring in your own sprites and graphics and make basically make your own Zelda. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it still has like the original game sprites, or you can just get it on the Virtual Console for what five bucks. Yeah, it's like yeah, it's like five five bucks or something like that. I, it's real cheap. I mean, <laughs> a virtual console. Let's just take a look for good old fashioned kicks and giggles. Let's see, uh, let's see what these guys are going for on eBay, just in case you want to play it the good old fashioned way, like some of some of you guys have. Uh, let's see, Nintendo or the, G- or the Game Boy Advance port. Yeah, Legend of Zelda. The boy, they're both going for about. Five, six, uh, ten, twelve bucks, depending on the quality that you're trying to get and whether or not you need instructions. You don't, um, but if you do, <laughs> you know. <laughs> not with GameFAQs. Uh, not with GameFAQs, and the fact that it really only has two buttons on that controller, and you will use the select button, I think, to pull up the sub menu, and that's about it. Um, start button to pause. It's not rocket science. Um, <laughs> so uh, the original Legend of Zelda is just a tad more than the second one for some reason. I don't know why. Because um, that thing was just so awesome. <laughs> Whew, all right. Well, both of them were made in the millions by Nintendo of America, so they're not exactly scarce. Right? Um, hmm, that's a good question. Unless, some, unless somebody's going to tell me Nintendo had limited print runs because they were actual gold. Is, is there an actual gold cartridge instead of just colored gold? Hmm. Actually, we didn't even mention that how the cartridges were gold. Oh yeah, they were. That was very stunning at the time because you had all the cartridges were gray. Mario was gray, but you got the Zelda and it was shiny and it was gold. It totally stood out. It was beautiful. It was gorgeous. It was awesome. It just kicked kicked ass. It was great. When you were a kid and you're like, I got the golden car. It's like it's like Charlie and Willy Wonka factory. You're like, I got the golden ticket. You know, it's just <laughs> yeah. Mr. Apps, would you be would you be willing to affirm that stance? Uh, I kind of zoned out for a minute. <laughs> what about the gold cartridges? That they looked really cool because they were gold. They did look really cool, and I wanted one, but sadly, the only gold Zelda cartridge I ever got was Majora's Mask. Which is possibly one of the few benefits that accrued from Nintendo sticking with cartridges in the N64 era. Managing to keep cranking out gold cartridges. All right, yep. let's move on then. The consoles now. What's that? Yeah, we're gonna switch consoles. All right, uh, we're going to the Game Boy, <laughs> the Legend of Zelda: Link's Awakening. 
developed by Nintendo, published by Nintendo. This uh, was on the Game Boy. You can play it on Game Boy Color. I've now got it on my 3DS. Released in Japan June 6, 1993, here in North America, August of 1993. And uh, and just a few weeks ago or so, maybe a couple months ago, on my Nintendo 3DS. It's awesome playing that again. It is so beautiful. It brings a tear to my eye. I played this on the original Game Boy. It was really, really cool. So, but I'll let y'all talk first. Who wants to talk first? I do, I do. Okay, you go. I absolutely love this game. I love it! It's awesome! Much better than Zelda 2. Just skip Zelda regard to this. <laughs> absolutely. It's got all all your classic Zelda gameplay uh, with almost none of the frustration. Because the game actually helps you figure out where to go, but still allows you enough freedom to go ahead and explore. Mm-hmm. And even though the game was in black and white, it was just it was just fun roaming around that island, figuring out how to trade all the items. Um, you know, we got the dungeons were great. They had these cool side-scrolling areas that actually, you know, took like those side-scrolling areas from the original Zelda and expanded them out a bit, gave you a jump. You know, all the different items in this game were a blast. It's just it's just like a Brilliant, brilliantly put together game. It's the simplest way I could put it, and it has a really like depressing ending as well. Yeah. yeah. Hmm. Who's next? Not- I don't have many formed memories of it. I played it on using the Game Boy Advance back in '01, I think. Yeah, it had to be '01. And I remember getting to a part where I kept falling into a hole over and over when I was supposed to be jumping accurately, I think. See, my memories are kind of ill-formed. And then I got mildly frustrated with that, put it down, and then played something else and never went back to it. So obviously I'm not the Uh one to contribute to the discussion much here. I liked what I played, the first two dungeons, and then I just set it aside for a while. But don't don't believe me. Listen to the love. I'm also not one to talk much about this game because I literally just started it up a couple of days ago, and I've only gotten to—I've only gone past the third dungeon. <laughs> I couldn't quite finish it in time for the podcast. I liked what I played so far. It's an incredibly charming game. I brought, definitely would have loved it if I played this, you know, a couple of years ago instead of now. But I still love it. I'm still liking it. The love might be a little too strong, but liking it so far, definitely. It's a very charming localization. Yeah, that it does. That's you know, heck of a lot better than some of the other. Oh yeah. Earlier games. I mean, probably better than and whatever it was at the time. I imagine. I mean, I don't remember what local. I don't remember what games were like the you know, localizations back then. But. Hmm. Well, for for the Game Boy in particular, that was not exactly the depository of great localizations most of the time. Yeah. Hmm. Like uh, Final Fantasy Legend, I wouldn't say had a stellar localization. Mm-hmm. Now, Charles, I believe you have played this one, haven't you? Yes, I have. Uh, this is actually my first Zelda game. Uh, wow. Good place to start. Let's see. Uh, well, my parents were ones that tried to keep the video games away from us until they felt we were old enough, so age 10, or for my brother, age 8. Um, so we got a Game Boy, and it came with Pokemon Yellow. The next thing we got was uh, on a road trip, we went to the store, and we just grabbed the uh, deluxe version of um, Link's Awakening. So, 
I don't think we ever could figure out how to play it that well. I mean, I don't know. It wasn't until years later I think we ever got past, like, this first or second dash. I mean, we just always get kind of lost. Um, I think what really tripped us up was uh, the side quest with um, uh, Terran and him becoming um, animal. I can't remember which one. The sprite was kind of big. It was a raccoon, or probably a raccoon dog, actually. Yeah, it was a tanuki, yeah. Um, and you have to go get the mushrooms and the whole witch side quest. We weren't able to really figure it out that time. So it kind of sat, um, sat, you know, kind of sat on the sidelines for a couple of years. When I actually seriously sat down to play it, that must have been um, 2007. That was the first time I decided to actually kind of go through and clear my kind of backlog for Zelda games. Eat all the ones that I've, you know, had for years but never could actually beat because I'm just really bad at these games. This game is still one of the, you know, if you know what you're doing, it's still one of the easier ones. Um, mostly because the items are um, almost all fairly useful and pretty intuitive. Um, the puzzles aren't very um, bad either, though there are a couple of moments. Um, I don't know, I don't have the greatest, you know, clarity memories with this, but this is definitely, you know, I think one of the good ones, particularly for the age. Mm-hmm. It was, I mean, back in the day, playing this on the Game Boy was just absolutely mind-blowing. Um, you're playing games like Super Mario World and stuff, and I mean, everything felt, you know, before before I got my hands on this game, a lot of the games felt really shrunk down. I mean, you could beat Super Mario Land or whatever it was called in like half an hour. It just, it was really not hard at all. A lot of the games felt that way. But once I got my hand on Link's Awakening, holy cow, talk about having a huge adventure in the palm of your hand. And it definitely made me feel like that once again, it just filled me that sense of awe that I first got when I first played the original Zelda. The first time stepping into a video game with a, a huge opening world. But this time it's a huge opening world that's portable. And I would show it to everybody. I had one of those darn, uh, not only did I have the old black and white Game Boy, but I had this really huge enclosure from Radio Shack uh, that you'd stick it into and you slap the cover down. It basically had a magnifying glass on the top. It had big, huge speakers on the side. Uh, it had joysticks and bigger and better joysticks and buttons. And it all somehow worked with the Game Boy inside of it. So you basically had this even bigger Game Boy experience. Uh, and a light, of course, so you can see it in the dark. Um and uh it, it is uh it was just it was just absolutely you know amazing uh so many things to do so many things to find like you said the side quests and stuff my favorite part is just walking around with bow wow honestly i just yeah he was so cute i wish i could have kept him eat everything <laughs> yeah chomp chomp yeah that's right um uh, oh references in this one that's just the first three tangents um Probably one of the more interesting things I think about this game is uh, the saving feature. That was annoying to figure out, and even more annoying to pull off a couple of times. Yeah, that's true. I I I don't know how the heck you do it on the three the three uh, DS actually. That, how do you do it, Phil? How do you save? I you know to be honest with you, I I don't remember. It's been so many years. Now I've been playing it on my Game Boy just been hitting the virtual console save button site. Yeah. I haven't even tried the in-game regular way of saving. I've just been doing the virtual console save. I'm done. You just kind of have to face. Select. Like, you have to use like two of your hands and like face down on the select. 
the select part, the start part, and the B and the A, and somehow do it hard, like do it at once, so that you do it. <laughs> it's hard. Yeah. I usually use just the like create restore point function the 3ds has. Yeah, I mean, no, no, that that was probably the one most only thing it's a kiss. Like, I have to press all these at the same time. Tries doesn't work. Tries again. Tries again. <laughs> oh, now it's saving. Okay, good. And you eventually get used to it, but it, it just kind of did it have to be every button. Like, could you was select even being used? I think it brought up the map or something. Yeah. It did, it did yeah. something. Brought up the map. Okay, yeah. well, can we just have you know? Start select be um save. Why do we have to get the A and B button involved in this? Yeah, it was annoying. Um, a minor annoying, but annoying. Yes. Um, let's see. The, yeah, this game though is probably the biggest reference pool for the series. In fact, it references the game that apparently we never even got. Um, the entire Richard subplots from a um, game um, starring Richard in Japan. Oh. Hmm. It had Goombas in it. Yep. <laughs> There's a Yoshi doll, and Marin kind of Marin kind of looks like Mario. <laughs> oh yeah, I remember seeing screens oh, of yeah. it in game reviewer magazines at the time of how there were Goombas in the side-scrolling segments. Of the yes. Yes. I'm sorry, I talked over. I talked over so loudly that it, it destroyed all the audio. Shot her, shot her off. <laughs> sorry, Sandra. That's all right. But hey, I only saw them in screenshots. What's it like to actually face Goombas and piranha plants in a Zelda game? Oh, it was, it was funny as heck. I mean, the yeah. first time I saw Chomp, you know, I mean, it was like, oh, holy cow, they didn't. It was just, it was fun. In fact, I remember that the, I, I don't remember the, the details of the story and the, you know, whatever dialogue there was uh, terribly well, but I do remember that the ending to the game felt very depressing in contrast to the humor and stuff that I was experiencing throughout the it game. Was incredibly depressing. It was just, and it was a... Uh, um, yeah. <laughs> we could talk about it. it got... yeah, I mean, yeah, we this, are free to spoil it. Talk know, about it. Even though I've just played it recently, I know about this already. Well, that's a long time ago. <laughs> um, yeah, go ahead and spoil it for us, Mr. Raps, because I don't remember the story, to be honest with you. Well, you're basically in the dream for this creature called the Windfish. That's what it was called, right? Yes, yeah, the Windfish, Ballad of Windfish. Yeah. So you're battling against its nightmares, and then eventually you awake it up, and, you know, all these interesting people and places you visited all disappear when you do that. So it's kind of, and you know, Link just awakes floating in the ocean, like on a piece of driftwood, and it's like an incredibly bittersweet ending. You know, especially playing, at, playing this as a kid, I'm like, what what did I do? So the uh, windfish's dream is so powerful that it creates entire landscapes. Yes, apparently. Wow. Well, it's a giant whale god. I guess that's its power. Yeah. Let's see, but um, apparently there is a special secret ending if you feel like being, you know, god. If you apparently don't die. At all, 
you can then get an extended scene with um, Marin flying off as a seagull. Oh, is that how you get oh, that? I never, I never saw that. Yeah, it's, you know, it's really even this being one of the you know slightly easier Zelda games, it is still a pretty amazing um, you know thing to not die at all. This is true. Now that reminds me about uh, one funny thing about this game: you can steal from the shop in town. And if you do so, everybody calls you thief for the for the rest of the game. <laughs> don't step back in that shop either. Yes, <laughs> don't go back in the shop. <laughs> or the storekeeper will kill you. Yes. No, oh, he just wants a little revenge. <laughs> Gosh. Okay. That was one of the funniest parts about that game. He deserves it. That shop was not worth two hundred. <laughs> Darn bow and arrow is like 928 coins or uh, rupees, I mean, or something. Yeah. Dang. Yeah, they're, they're rupees, not coins. I forget. They're like little gems or something. Those can't be easy to carry around. I mean, they're like the size of your palm. Yeah, they're probably constantly poking Link in the waist. <laughs> Getting they're really pretty... heavy. I just, Link just has an ability to carry an infinite amount of stuff, kind of. And doesn't show any extra space on him. That's just a, that's one of the abilities of a Triforce carrier. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's to me. Mm. Um, the, the development team must have had a lot of fun making this game. Well, and then it kind of shows this is um, um, until recently, you know, until recent years. The actual Zelda team just kind of didn't do the handheld games. They made the first one with this one, but, you know, the Oracle games, Minish Cap, all that was, you know, done by a different team. It's not until recently they started actually doing those handheld games again. So that kind of quality really does kind of show, you know, in them actually putting in that extra effort themselves. I, and I remember, I mean, just for for a Game Boy game, the graphics were just really good. That, and I remember the music being very memorable. Well, the music is great, uh-huh. especially the, the the main the main theme. When you collect all the instruments and all those are playing together, it's it's, it's just great. And the Battle of the Windfish. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was a uh, also is a really nice remix in uh, Majora's Mask, so that's fun. Is there? Yes, uh, and if you you can uh, play it at the milk bar. I don't um, think I ever you, noticed that. Yeah, you uh, go on like one of the like day two or three. Go there. Um, you can play with all the different masks. So you have like you know all the instruments present, and so you get a nice version of the Battle of the Windfish. Uh, I think they're Now I need to play Majora's Mask just to find that. Hmm. 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 Um. Well, Phil, well, should we should we mention uh, Link's Awakening Deluxe? Deluxe, del- oh, is that the one that had like the color, color color version, yeah. right? And I extra dungeon at the very least. What's that? It had an extra dungeon at the very least. I remember that. Oh, yeah. You know, I I think I got it, but I don't think I actually played through it. The one, um, the one on the eShop is the deluxe version. It is for the 3DS. Okay, so that makes the original version pretty much 
useless then. <laughs> I mean, I the, mean the deluxe was better than the having color. <clears throat> well, no, the, the original version is hardly a bad game simply because the deluxe version came out. It simply. Yeah. It's just an addition. Yeah. Somewhat obsolete. <laughs> yeah. Somewhat obsolete. Well, what do I have? What do I. Release the game. Wait a minute. Which version do I have on my virtual console dealy now? I don't know. Oh, it's DX. Yay! All right, I rock. Yeah. So, oh my gosh, the the logo's jumping out at me in 3D. Whoa! Don't stare at that too long. And get seasick. <laughs> Whew. Yeah, it's too bad they didn't actually remake it in 3D. That would be even more awesome. Um. <laughs> But uh, yeah, so you can get that. You can get that on. I'm sure it's on the DSI. I, I, I think is it on the DSI? No, is it? No. On the DSI shop? No. Nope. No. 3DS only. See, there's there's the sole reason to go out and get a hundred and eighty dollar 3DS. So you too can play Link's Awakening in the palm of your hand. It's it's awesome. Um. Okay. Let's. Two hundred fifty dollars. Let's just pretend. Yeah, it's better. Than, and uh, yeah, let's just pretend that. Um, that not everybody really would want to, you know, spend all that money. So let's just take a look at how much they're going for uh, on uh, eBay here. Let's see the Game Boy, the Game Boy Black and White version is going for a whopping five to ten bucks. And let's see if we can find the DX version. The Game Boy Color is going. Whoa, yeah, that one's going for a little bit more, about um, anywhere between fifteen and thirty-five actually. And there's not that many copies on there actually. So that one's definitely more in demand. I guess more people hang on to those versions. <laughs> wow. Still more cost effective to buy that version than to buy a 3DS just so you can get this game. That's for sure. Yeah. $35, it's still worth it. If you're mm-hmm. looking for a good Zelda game. Mm-hmm. Although I, I'm sure you could get it for cheaper than that if you're a careful eBayer. eBayer, yeah, you can snipe it or something like that. And then you have to have something to play it play it on. So Game Boy Color, that would have to be played on a Game Boy Advance, right? Yeah, Game Boy Advance latest. Yeah. So bad for me. My SPs we lost the chargers. Uh, but those chargers aren't usually too bad, are they on eBay? Probably pick one up for a few bucks. And then again I came and see on the SP. My eyesight's gotten that bad when it comes to no backlights. Yeah, it is really tough. Can you believe you used to play with that all the time? I, I, well, now I remember my mom, you know, when she when we first got in 2000, she's like, how can you even see what's going on? I now understand how she feels. I mean, the SP? The SP had a backlight. I know, and I still can't see it. I still can't see it. The backlight ruined my eyes. Wow. The, or, the original SP had a bit. Didn't have the you know, it, it, yeah, you know, but, to I totally agree with you on that, man, dude. I got, um, when we were going to Indonesia, I figured, well, instead of taking my, uh, my more expensive DS, I, I go ahead and grab, uh, an SP because they were selling for 20 bucks in the store. Uh, and I still got Game Boy Advance games in my, in my backlog. So, um, I grabbed it, I charged it up and, farted around with it at the house. I'm like, holy cow, I can't see this. I'm, I'm so spoiled by my super bright light on my DS. This, this doesn't work. <laughs> no wonder they call it the DSA, D, DS light. This should be called the GBA dark. I mean, like, you can't see that. So, so in other words, you should, you should not try to play this on the original GBA. Yeah. Maybe if you have a Game Boy light, which I do. 
Hmm. Oh, the Game Boy Light. And that's what I did. I also did a Game Boy with the Game Boy Worm Light. Oh, my gosh. Man, are we spoiled. No, I mean, I the, Japanese, the Japanese only Game Boy Light that actually had ah. backlighting. I was wondering if the Micro was any better. Those tend to be more expensive. It's it's supposed to be brighter, and I guess later models of the SP, they also... I think there's like a second version well. of the SP. There's like a revamp of the SP that actually is like a two-layer backlight. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Make it doable, but hmm. yeah, I think the DS has pretty much officially destroyed our eyesight at this point. So, the gamer is suffering. going to switch systems again now, aren't we, Phil? Oh, but I think we're going to something that people regard even better than Link's Awakening. You know, I'm just... <laughs> no, they don't. No, no, they don't. No. What, what game are you looking at? You're not looking at the same game I am. No. no. I'm looking at Link to the Past, Phil. Link to the Past? Oh, okay. I was something about CDI or something. I was no, starting, to get, no, no starting to get all teary-eyed over here. The only Legend of Zelda on the Super Nintendo. Oh, oh my goodness gracious. Sorry, I was wiping away the tears because I started thinking about that other horrid system. <laughs> well, they're tears uh, of joy, Phil. They're tears of joy. <laughs> Unless you don't like Link to the Past, which makes you someone that we are immediately going to shun. <laughs> no, Link to the Past is totally cool and awesome. The Legend of Zelda Link to the Past is developed and published by Nintendo, of course. Um, this is an action-adventure RPG single-player experience rated E for everybody, released on November the 21st, 1991, and not a moment too soon. Uh, I mean, oh my gosh, the, the graphics in this game are so gorgeous. First thing I noticed, rain, awesome, neat effects, just... Absolutely a beautiful and gorgeous game. Firing that up made the $60 or whatever the hell I paid for it. Oh, so worth it. <laughs> it's a first-generation Super Nintendo game, and it holds its own with all the stuff that came later, says I. It still looks good today, actually, I'd say. <laughs> I mean, I played this in 2007, and it still looks pretty decent. I'm just bothered by the pink hair. Who has pink hair? Link. I'm, I he, under the cap, his hair is not any natural hair color. <laughs> I pretty sure he had pink hair. Let me go find. Okay. Maybe, maybe, I think his hair is pink, just wearing one of the tunics, maybe. <laughs> oh yeah, because his because his sprite changes depending on the armor he's got. Yeah. Maybe it's when he's got the red armor that his hair looks pink, which makes sense because his his hat is also red when he has the red armor. But it's not the most uh, 
fiery shade of red now, is it? Anyway, this is an uh, this is an early Zelda game that actually has a story, which is interesting, isn't it? It is. I mean, this gave us the light world, dark world system that games still use today. Oh my gosh, they use, they abuse it. It is, it is actually becoming a cliche. Um, so, but it was 20 years ago? No, 20 years ago was absolutely the cat's meow. So does somebody who actually remembers the story want to talk about it? Because once again, it's one of those games I played like 20 years ago and have long since forgot the story. Shall I take it? Yes, please do. Okay. The beginning is... A young boy named Link is lying asleep in his bed when he hears a message come through his mind from a princess named Zelda who is requesting his aid to save her from the evil wizard Aghanim. And he does that. He does that with the aid of his uncle's sword because his uncle ran into trouble and dies before bequeathing the sword to the only person who can possibly save the princess now. He gets her out. He takes her to Sanctuary, which might as well be a church, but Nintendo didn't let you say church back then. And... He goes around to find the magical artifacts that will allow him to get into the castle again and beat Aghanim in straight-up combat. But he's too late, because by the time he does that, Aghanim has sent Zelda, the last of the seven maidens with bloodline ties to the wizards who sealed the path to the Golden Land. And when he does that, he has opened a pathway to the, the Golden Land, which, because it was taken over by Ganon centuries ago, is now the Dark World. And in the Dark World, he must advanced through seven nasty dungeons in order to save all the maidens and with their power he can finally advance into Ganon's lair and beat him and beating him will f will free the dark world from its chains turning it back to the golden land and also incidentally free the light world and that's most of it but honestly for a legend of zelda game in 1991 that's a lot more than anybody expected Hey, we even got an um, opening cutscene kind of thing. Like, yeah. You know. It's called the background of the Golden Land. Yeah, you didn't need the manual for the background story this time. <laughs> <laughs> Woohoo! And there, there wasn't a whole lot of text, but I have to say, Nintendo did a good job translating it. Yeah. Again, not what you expected in 1991, was it? No, that I. Played it like in 2004 on the GBA, or whenever it came out on the I GBA. Think, I think the translation might have been retouched, but not much was changed. No, I don't think they really did much. I really think they kind of just all they they really only worked on the you know side game attached to it. That that's about all they really did. Though so I didn't so, one. I, I played versions, and I don't remember any big changes. The, uh, in the translation. Yeah. Graphically, the one of the most impressive things was uh, entering this, uh, you know, holy place where the Fort Master Sword is. You start working for it, all these squirrels are jumping by and passing you and everything, and it's a very lively, lively forest. That was kind of unexpected. The forest is pretty interesting with the shadow effects of the tree canopies. Oh, God, that forest scares me, though. There's people in there. <laughs> yes, and... Uh... Well, and, and the Dark, and the dark World, world version of the forest is even freakier. Yes. Yeah. This game has a lot of really weird kind of, you know, definitely leading up to what will happen, um, you know, the N64 era of horror, but um, or at least Athens or horror. Um, I mean, you know, just the first dungeon is, you know, in the castle's sewers and everything, you're in, like, pitch black, and there's rats running around and going, this is unnecessary. 
I mean, not made worse by the fact that, you know, it's no longer, you know, like previously Link's like, you know, a thumbnail almost. And, you know, doesn't even look human. And none of the monsters really look particularly, you know, human. But we're now starting to enter a pseudo realm of sprite realism, you know, with him actually looking like a possible human being. So it's kind of makes things a bit weirder and kind of more horrific in some areas. I can see that. I mean, I mean, it was certainly not quite as bad as, you know, Redads appearing next generation, but we at least kind of started to see the, you know, unnecessary levels of horror in these games, in this one, definitely. I never thought of the sections in the dark as particularly horrifying, so this is a, <laughs> this is a perspective that is new to me. They were dark. They were. I don't know. I, I get easily anxious in these games because I know I can't um, survive for more than two seconds. I mean, I pretty much am addicted to fairies in these games. Like Addicted to fairies! <laughs> That's I mean, funny. I, well, hey, fairies I, are cool. They heal seven of your hearts. That's better than nothing. I mean, um... I think the, like, one time I was surprised on how well I did without fairies was uh, Ocarina of Time's Final Battle. Because, like, the entire game, and all, any game where there's fairies, I will always have one on hand because I will use it in the next hour, guaranteed. Huh. If not three times in an hour. I thought I was that. <laughs> no, I really am just, I have no skill at any kind of these games. I'll take your word for it. That you you certainly have described a case scenario of lacking skill in that area, so I'll take your word for it. And speaking of the items in the first game, there are a lot of cool ones in this one. Oh like, yeah. Well, I liked it cost an awful lot of money to get the flippers, but once you had them, hey, I can swim around. This is cool. <laughs> Especially since you had to go through that enormous section that led to, what is, what's it say, Zora the Fishman, and all the stupid Fishman buddies were spitting bubbles at you from the water. That was annoying. So annoying. They are so annoying. But hey, then you can swim with them and duck their fireballs. And this one gave you the hook shot, which I like. Yeah. And it gave you the gloves that allow you to lift gigantic boulders. That's cool. And the dark world in particular is fairly nonlinear. I I like going into the fourth dungeon right after the first one, which you're kind of forced into the first one going first. But the fourth one is in the middle of the thieves' town, and if you work oh, your I way around that. the right way, you can get in there. I love that dungeon. Did anyone have any difficulty, you know, compared to the other bosses and dungeons of the you know dark world with the first one? I mean, the Helmarok King just seemed to be unnecessarily powerful compared to some of his peers. Okay, first boss. Uh, the giant scorpion crab thing with the um, giant mask, uh, no, iron mask, you have to hammer it to pieces. I think you can. Oh. I had oh, trouble with him as a kid, but I think you can just use bombs to blow it up a lot more easier or something like that. I remember using both the fire and the ice wand to crack both masts. I think that was how I did it. 
And then I shot him with arrows while using a couple of potions to survive. I think I used bomb tactics. Right. We, mentioned, we mentioned the Dark World version of the forest. The the moth you fight as a boss there is freaky. Mostly because most of the battlefield is spikes, so you have to be really careful. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's a tough boss. And that whole dungeon is interesting because you're jumping from place to place in the forest down below to the dungeon itself, which is entirely subterranean. I'd have to say that's one of the best dungeons in the game. You know, and this game has a lot of good dungeons. Oh, yeah. But that one was particularly good, you know, going back into the forest, figure out where other entrances down in the dungeon were, and figure out how they connect and what exactly Smacking you have to open do. skulls a few times in order to get in. Yes. It, it was, uh, that, that dungeon was a lot of fun. And the water dungeon, where you actually need the hookshot to pull all the little eyes away from the boss before you can really damage it, that was cool, too. Yes. Ah, oh, yeah, that one. I and... had trouble with that one when I was younger, because there's one spot where you have to walk through a waterfall to continue on, and it took me forever to find it. I think you could just... Oh, yes, yes, I remember this, yes. Just that makes having the map so much handier. That yeah, map yeah. saved your butt. Mm-hmm. And Mr. Apps, you, we spoke of the Thieves Town dungeon. You remember how interesting it was getting the boss to appear there? Yes. <laughs> well, yes. I've I've hogged the screen time. You tell me about it. <laughs> well, basically, you wandering around that dungeon, you come across a girl down there in the dungeon for some reason. Um. <laughs> And, you know, once you find her, she'll follow you around. If you try to, you know, like, do what you think would be the smart thing and bring her out of the dungeon, she is suspiciously reluctant and won't go with you. And But once you open up the boss area, there's no boss in there, just like a beam of light, and you have to bring the girl onto the light who turns into the boss. Oh, but the beam of light isn't automatic. You have to bomb the floor above. That's right. I forgot about that. That's right. You have to bomb the area above it. Really cool. Now I'm trying to remember the fifth and the sixth dungeons. I also remember how you get into the first dungeon of the Dark World, which is there's a monkey that's been following you around (laughs) through this forest. And unless you have been handing the the money... the monkey some money, then he won't open the dungeon for you. But if you did hand him some money, then he'll just go, eek, eek, eek. I like rupees. Thanks for doing that. And open the dungeon. <laughs> or whatever he said. It might not have been eek, eek, eek. It might have been oogoo, goo or whatever monkeys say in Zelda games. <laughs> monkey. Hmm. And the th- Turtle Rock which is the seventh dungeon, that one... uh, That one just tests pretty much everything you've got. You need... (sighs) That dungeon is tough. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's the boss that Charles was just talking about, the one with two masks that you have to smash before you can kill it. Yes. And... That's the dungeon where you have to use the magic wand to create these moving platforms. 
That's the one, right? Yes, that's it. And you have to, there's like these little mazes you have to go through, and there's one where you, you're like completely in the dark, and it's really difficult to figure out where you have to go. And, oh yes, and there are optional items in this game. You don't have to find them, but I particularly liked whatever the cane is that turns you invisible. That's nifty. Yeah. With the cape? Yes, the cape. The cane is the one that just swirls light around you and damages everything in your path until you run out of magic. The medallions are also pretty useful, at least early on. That's that's true, too. I think you only need one of them in order to open Turtle Rock, but the others are equally useful for combat. Didn't you need one of them to open the, the desert area, too? Something like that? You know, I think you're yeah, right. I'm think, I think I'm thinking of something else. And that's the sixth dungeon, the one in the Dark World version of the desert. Yes, which you can only access by calling the bird with the flute in the light world <laughs> and going to one, the one spot in the desert and picking up a rock. Which is another thing you have to do all the time in this game. Just go between dark and light world. And it's fun! It is fun. And as for Ganon's dungeon, well, wow. That just makes you use everything you've got. And it's a huge place. Well, what, what did it have? Eight floors, I think? Something like that. And, and you have to go downstairs first. Yes, and the, and the basement is huge. I think there were only two levels to it, but that still makes it a total of nine, ten floors this thing has. And you have to fight the the first three bosses from the light world over again in there. Only they've changed to make it harder. Um, I can't remember. Is this the one where, you know, when you're finally ban ban battling Ganon, you know, he can basically push you off the side and um, down to the floor below? Is that one of those bosses fights? Yeah, or? That's Ganon, and it's also the, the strange worm thing with the huge head and the tiny little body parts with yeah. you're supposed to hit. Yeah, that, I mean, that's not as bad because at least, you know, Dan, though, uh, you know, you're trying to shoot with, um, again, silver arrows, so, you know, having to, you know, basically be five, being like two hits away from killing him, and then he swats you off, and you have to redo the entire fight. Yeah. Uh-huh. I did that twice, I think, at least. That last, that final battle inside the pyramid is tough. It's pretty big, that's for sure, because he takes a lot of punishment before he goes down, and he changes his tactics as it goes on. Yeah. First, he's just swinging, it, swinging his spear around. That's easy enough to dodge, and then he toss it, and then it starts to shoot fire all over the place, and then he starts to knock out part of the floor around you with every hit. Yeah. Uh... <laughs> and then he turns up the lights. Let's see. This is also the uh, first Zelda game with this sort of, you know... The game doesn't look like it's going to be, you know, the main villain's going to be Gandorf, at least not until the very end. And then you find out, of course, the entire time it's all Gandorf, or all Gan all the time, with uh, Agmen. Yeah, I'm not sure how he created an alter ego and possessed him to go out into the light world, but <laughs> I'll go with it, sure. That was an interesting battle, mostly because of the, you know, 
whole fact that you don't have to use your sword. You can fight him with the uh, fishing net. <laughs> yeah, and this and the rematch with Aghanim really isn't all that hard if you're patient. Just keep smacking his hits back at him, and eventually they'll hit. Yeah, this game is definitely, um, well, you know, if you want to argue because it's in 2D, not the first modern Zelda game, if anything, is the foundation of everything else, you know, in the series. I mean, this is, uh, you know, where we get the whole three dungeons, then, you know, you know, another seven, final boss, you know. I mean, it's basically Ocarina of Time, you know, in 2D. So, it's kind of like the whole, you know, for the, um, another series that kind of asked me doing this, you know, when it translated to 3D was uh, the Metal Gear series. Almost the entirety of Metal Gear Solid 1 some kind of a reference to the way you played the previous games. Unfortunately, in those cases, no one played those previous games, so... <laughs> it didn't exactly catch on. MSX. What? That's what happens when they're on the MSX only. Yeah, uh, because uh, Metal Gear 2 is format-wise almost identical in, you know, in some boss fights with the 3D game. And then they take it to the next extreme, of course, with Metal Gear 2. So luckily, uh, and Metal Gear Solid 2. So luckily, you know, this series doesn't quite copy, you know, and pace me. I, I guess the closer you get to, you know, a game completely being exactly like Ocarina of Time is in some times with the Twilight Prince theme, and then this game and Twilight, um, this game and Ocarina of Time are very connected to the hip. <laughs> Maybe even Otter, since, you know, it took them seven years to make the next one. I think they would have enough time to, you know... I thought it only took five years. No, 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 you're right, I'm sorry. Um, well, you know, at least release-wise, but, you know... Yeah. I really do kind of wonder what the development was doing during that time, because did they had a, you know, that's kind of the question, like, what's, this is a very early game, you know, for the system. And then, you know, Ocarina Time is not, you know, mid-lifespan of, you know, so what were they doing for, like, you know, an entire five-year period? As I recall, they made a bunch. It was, these were Japanese only, of course. Of what are they called? BSX games. It was like a satellite system for the SNES. That were there were, there were like two or three Zelda games for it, I believe. Completely. Oh, the Satellaview. That one, yes, that one. Okay, because I mean, I mean, it's kind of that's what's kind of bothered me. It's like they obviously, you know, where they, you know, is there some like secret aborted um, SNES Zelda game they made like? 60% of, you know, those are some of the weird questions I always kind of have. It's like, what were you all doing for five years? Yeah, <laughs> yeah considering, the, considering by the time Super Mario World 2 finally came and it was Yoshi's Island, and that's a great game, but very different from Super Mario World 1, uh, we can only imagine what a Super Nintendo Legend Link to the Past 2 would have been like. We'll never know. A mix between... <laughs> They could have done like a 2D, like Super Metroid type Zelda. Zelda 2, a link to the past Ocarina of Time. Yeah. <laughs> Zelda 2, a link to the future. <laughs> yeah. There you go. Yeah, Phil, you've been quiet. 
But I know you've played Link to the Past. What yeah, but my memory isn't nearly as clear as y'all, so I'm letting you, <laughs> I'm letting you carry the torch on this one. I mean, I, I just got my impressions, and because I don't remember the specific details, you know, all these years later, I just, I was, uh, you know, I was playing my my Super Nintendo back in the early '90s. The first game I had with Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, uh, Turtles in Time, and the second game I got was this one, and it was oh, just Turtles in Time. Oh, they were yeah. awesome. <laughs> um, but you know, I mean, it was just. <laughs> Did. Yeah, it was just hours and hours of awesomeness. It's just absolutely a game that holds up absolutely wonderful today. Um, does it? Do they? What have they released it on virtual cons? Have they released on virtual console? Well, yeah. the Game Boy yeah. Advance version changes a few things, mostly giving vo- Link a voice when he swings his sword, which is kind of annoying. But other than that, I don't remember any big changes. Oh, you. Can if you you know do some segments of the you know uh, four source adventures, you can get the ability to basically use the hurricane spin from um, you know the uh, Wind Waker. Though the hurricane spin basically breaks the game. <laughs> Why? Maybe maybe it wasn't designed with that game in mind even. What? Uh, get out. No, I mean basically it will destroy in um you know if you have an in, if you're surrounded by enemies. It won't. You won't be surrounded for much longer. Unfortunately, I think you become dizzy afterwards, or you're like temporarily stunned, something like that. I can't remember. But no. Um, but then again, that's the hard part, especially if you want to do this now. Finding someone to play the Four Swords game with. <laughs> Got the Game Boy Advance link cables, everybody. Whose idea was that? Nintendo's. Yeah. Uh, it was, oh, yeah. the same idea. it was the same idea that had the idea of hooking up the Game Boy Advances to the GameCube, right? Okay, well, at least it's not, it's not as, I mean, it's not the worst game I've seen with that technology. The worst game, of course, is uh, Crystal Chronicles. God help fun. you if you It's fine, but God help you if you want to have friends and play Crystal Chronicles. Oh, we had we had all the hardware and we had four friends and it was. Well, did I? Well, I mostly played with my sister, but occasionally my friends did come over. Most of them had Game Boy Advances and Links, and <laughs> some, had, some had extra. We never got enough Link cables. Oh. Oh well. Going to the We had four people, but three Link cables, which just made it counterproductive. And then one person got, you know, you have to kind of swap in because then another one, someone, you know, doesn't get an artifact, you know. It just became more of a hassle, so we never actually finished it. Um, I don't think actually you ever finished the Four Swords and I think about it either. Because uh, originally it was just one of my, I only had one friend, so trying to play Four Swords with two swords is not as easy and we weren't really good. I think, um,. Yeah, we beat it when my cousin was over, and I didn't really feel like playing, So, but he was better, so he uh, got through the game with my brother. I uh, hear. I mean, that that said, that is kind of nice. Um, I don't know, Nintendo has a hard time sometimes just playing up boarding. They always feel like they have to do some minor touch-up. At least this one added an extra game. Albeit not exactly the best. Yeah, I, I never tried it because I didn't own any Game Boy Advance Link cables. Sorry, Mr. Apps. Okay. Well, you were saying something. What was it? Oh, I just said they added in another game, but one that required a friend. 
<laughs> preferably three. Yeah. Yeah. Preferably three. Preferably three people that have um, games and a Game Boy Advance and cords. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I was even a kid during this period, so I mean, you know, maybe it's. I just felt like I was the target audience, but no one of my friends could afford this. <laughs> I was like, wait, so who is this aimed for? People with money? <laughs> uh, I guess. I mean, even back in the day, sometimes... You can't afford hundreds of dollars in extra peripherals? What's wrong with you? Is what Nintendo would say. Oh, uh, I also remember that the Game Boy Advance port did a pretty good job with the music, unlike so many Game Boy Advance games, which had really cruddy sound. Then again, I've, I haven't played the Game Boy Advance version recently, so I may not be remembering clearly. I don't remember the music, and I've never played the original, so I can't really do a comparison. Um, I've never really like, played it with headphones or anything, so... I've only played the uh, virtual console, so yeah, just... Yeah. Well, then again, you know, for the Game Boy, you know, anytime people start complaining about the Game Boy Advance sound quality, my suggestion is just headphones. It yeah. goes up dramatically. It's really, it's not so much that the sound card's bad. The sound card's perfectly fine for the system, you know, graphic, you know, comparison-wise. It's merely the speakers, are, you know, portable speakers are not very good. What? Get out, blasphemy! <laughs> But no, that, that audio jack works fine. Have yeah, you, I, remember, I, I agree in general, Charles. However, there are a few Game Boy Advance games I played where the sound quality was just atrocious. Uh, and it doesn't get any better if you listen with headphones. It still sounds like it's being played through several layers of dead fish. <laughs> oh, there's an analogy I've never seen drawn before. <laughs> no. Would you rather I had said several layers of dead deer? Analogy I've never heard. No, yeah, it's just no. It's accurate though. Mm, I I I don't disbelieve you. Well, they were but the ports themselves pretty bad to begin with anyway. I mean, they're being lazy to begin with. I don't really see why they'd you know cut corners anywhere else. Well, I don't remember. Like, what game are you talking about? You know, any examples? Uh, I can give you Advanced Guardian Heroes as an instant example. You listen to the music of that. It's some pretty good music, but the sound quality is absolutely horrible. And if you listen to the official soundtrack, it's still absolutely horrible. <laughs> uh, I don't remember what the Breath of Fire game sounded like on Game Boy Advance, but I seem to recall their sound quality going down somewhat. But then again, Capcom didn't exactly exercise great care with the porting of them. Uh... People complaining about Final Fantasy VI. I, I haven't played the on the SNES. I have no idea what this. It, seemed, it sounded perfectly fine to me on a GBA, but well. yeah, uh, the only one on the GBA that sounds you know weird is I'd say the opera, but that's because the opera's pushing it at that point, which is the you know faux vocals. Oh yeah, yeah it's, it's, it's really the Game Boy Advance port really isn't that bad. I know. I mean, it really the I, from what I can tell with that one port is the old fan base tries to find any and absolute anything they can complain about and then blow it up a portion. Uh, Final Fantasy fans complain. Never seen. <laughs> <laughs> More blasphemy I hear hitting my ears this evening. Cassandra. Yes. Do you remember the sound quality in Sword of Mana? Uh, yeah, vaguely. Um, it 
So I don't think it was terrible, terrible. It wasn't very no, it wasn't but, terrible, but it could have been a lot better. Oh yeah, it could have been better, but it wasn't terrible, terrible. I kinda kinda like that the music in that game. I hate that game. I actually though. liked it in general, but I guess we'll get to that another day. Yes, we will in the not so distant future. I need to replay that too because I might have the rose colored glasses from really really liking the game as a kid, so again, that's for later. Those things happen. I think we've I strayed think we... a little from a link to the past, though. Yeah. Yeah, we well, have. Link most definitely does not talk in this game. Um, she actually has a few lines because she's an actual character, even though she spends most of the Dark World uh, kidnapped and stuck in Turtle Rock. <laughs> yeah. Maybe she struggled this time. That's an improvement. <laughs> yeah, at least she was the instigator of the plot instead of simply being, hey, there's the princess, go rescue her. Or she's sleeping, go wake her up. <laughs> <laughs> or, you know, not even present. Yeah. Yeah, the, it's funny that the Legend of Zelda Link's Awakening didn't seem to have Zelda. Uh, or was I missing something? No. She's not there. Twice. I mean, there's a couple of references to her, like, apparently the first thing Link uh, asked of uh, Maureen is if she's Zelda, and she says, no, I'm not Zelda, who's yeah. that? I'm Maureen. Because, <laughs> yeah, apparently Link talks, you know, to everyone but us. <laughs> he says mine in Zelda, too, that I recall. He says, I found a mirror under the table. Zelda, too, doesn't count. <laughs> <laughs> Um, then again, I'm really not going to ever complain about Link not having a voice in the game. Because you know, our official voice acting for the other outsets are... That's better than, well, excuse me. Gosh, uh, Charles, no, it's like no, saying 80s no, animation no. wasn't all that. I, it gets worse when you go into the fake ones. So, yeah, I, I think us never getting a voice for Link is not a bad thing. The lack of voice acting in the Zelda games, is, it, it's just not a bad thing. I, no, I don't not think. a bad thing at all. It's, uh, it, it, I mean, if they ever do voice acting, I think they should just do what they did with Midna in um, Twilight Princess. Some fake gibberish language. Yeah, I, I mean, it, it just works. Why mess with it? Yeah, I seem, to recall the, I seem to recall Chibi Robo doing that pretty well, just people making random mishmash symbols that were interesting to hear, but weren't really voice acting. Panzer Dragoon did that. Made no, Panzer own. Dragoon invented a whole new language called Panzerese. Yes. Yeah. I don't think Nintendo needs to invent a new language for the land of Hyrule. Very did. Yeah. What was it? Hylian, yes. Oh, okay. They just had to vocalize it. That would be interesting. That would be really cool, actually. Would it sound like... I think it would be more complex than that. That was complex. (laughs) (laughs) It's not just the syllables, but it's the actual pitch and how high it goes. It, you know, puts the whole word together. It's awesome. 
It's a very complex language and requires a lot of practice in order to master it properly. This is true. Try to say what you just said again, and you'll probably get a syllable not quite right. Well, see, when he's like swinging one way, he goes, hi See, he, he's just saying, you know, something like downward attack in his language. And then when he does the, you know, the swirling around whirlwind attack, you know, that's a whole, that's him saying whirlwind attack. See, I mean, it's a complex language. You just got to get it down. And that's my contribution to the show. Let's move on. <laughs> <laughs> Um, well, moving on. Re- no. Realize. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> May as well get it over with, I guess. All right. You have to acknowledge these things. You uh, know, the way I'll acknowledge it is tell you to go to GameTrailers.com and look up the Angry Video Games Nerds review. They're on YouTube now also. What's that? He, he put them on YouTube also. There you go. Or YouTube it Angry Video Game Nerd and Zelda CDI and knock yourself right out. That is the only way you should experience. Wow! Yeah, so you want to go buy a CDI <laughs> and the games because these are not cheap games. Why? Are they not cheap? <laughs> <laughs> because like what? Five copies. This oh boy, we are talking about Link: The Faces of Evil, Zelda: The Wind of Camelon, and Zelda's Adventure, three action adventure games produced by Philips for the CDI as part of the Legend of Zelda video game series. A, a part of the series that Nintendo wishes they could go back in time and yeah, um, they so it's able to officially absolve itself of all blame because Nintendo. <laughs> Develop any of it. The Faces of Evil and the Wand of Gamelon were developed by Animation Magic, and both were released on October tenth, nineteen ninety three. And Zelda's Adventure was developed by uh, Veritas and released on June fifth, nineteen ninety four. All three of these games were rated K for caca. <laughs> <laughs> and those first two go routinely in the fifty dollar range on eBay, and Zelda's Adventure routinely tops three digits. By a far, by a large margin. And and seriously, if you paid $50 for these, you should be ashamed of yourself. (laughs) If someone paid you $50 to take it and you took it, you should be ashamed of yourself. Well, well, Phil, let's be fair. We're judging based on the Angry Video Game Nerd reviews where he laid out a lot of interesting information like – the CDI controller having three buttons and one of them being completely ignored by the game and needing to press up to jump. Now, there there was a good reason for that, though. They they purposely limited that game for two buttons for the inevitable NES port that they were working on. <laughs> Unfortunately, you know, the timing was a little off and the, uh, you know, NES kind of, you know, went into the twilight before I got around to the Thank port. You. Thank God. <laughs> But that's why it only used two buttons. Go ahead, Mike. And also needing to duck in order to enter doors, but also needing to duck in order to open your menu, which can lead to you going back out of the door instead of opening your menu. Let's answer these things one at a time now. The the reason why you had to duck to go inside the doors was because up until that time, every other game had you pressing up to go inside doors. They wanted to break all the molds with this Zelda game. It, it, jumps in this game, so we can't do that also. Well, you know, but I mean, other games got around that by the fact that they pretty much figured if you were standing in front of a door, you probably weren't trying to jump. <laughs> but but here in Zelda, they just want to be different. They want to be original. This is a very original Zelda trilogy. 
you have to admit. Yeah, we are speaking of the first two right now because the third one is different. But, but also in the first two, you need to physically hit rupees in order to collect them. Now, please explain that to me, Phil. I'm sure well, you, just... you know, players were complaining about how boring it was when they walked around and the rubies just got collected, you know, whenever they touched it with a sword or something like that. It just wasn't nearly as fun as attacking it to pick it up. I mean, come on, think about it. What sounds more exciting? Oh, I walked over, you know, an emerald and picked it up, or I slashed the crap out of that emerald and picked it up. Come on, man, just think about this for a second. Never mind slashing more than one at a time. <laughs> one individually. You know, oh, and, and how about the, the lack of recovery time when you're hit? Now, that's interesting. Well, you know, gamers have been complaining all these years that ever since, you know, Zelda 2, there really hasn't been a challenging enough Zelda out there. You know, Link's Awakening stuff was just a little too easy for him, so they decided to up the difficulty a little bit by making that recovery time almost non-existent. I mean, come on now, there's nothing wrong with that. What, you, you, you say you're not ready for a little difficulty in your Zelda game? Come on, man. Well, and also, how about not being able to jump down uh, in... Horizontal in vertically scrolling sections where there are enemies in your way. You know, you know, there's a reason for that too. But <laughs> yeah, well, waiting to hear what it is. So you can't. What was it? You can't jump down if you're on a ledge. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, if there are several layers below you, you can't jump down. You have to go the long way around. Have you Have you ever been up on a ledge, my friend? Have you ever been up on a ledge and looked at a ledge that was way down there below? Have you ever just spontaneously jumped out to see if you could land on it? It's dangerous, man. Zelda's just uh, Link is just using a little safety minus here, okay? And Zelda. Zelda's the hero in one of these. Yeah, you know, it, it's all about, uh, you know, it's all about, uh, you know, the kids are playing these games, man. We got to teach them safety first, you know? <laughs> We can't have them jump down ledges. I mean, the problem is they start doing it in the video games. Next thing you know, they're doing it out in real life, trying to jump off the ledge of one building to another. Just not safe. You know, you're absolutely right, Phil. Kids are very impressionable. They try to do whatever they just did in the game, and it usually doesn't go well. Yeah, absolutely. Well, all right. All right. How about making people talk by shoving a sword into their butt? You know, it kind of goes along the lines of the gyms. People were just tired of pressing a button to talk. They'd rather knock the crap out of them, and then they'll talk. <laughs> and how about getting caught on the top of the screen so that your jump doesn't take you nearly as high as it should, and you keep hitting an enemy instead? Oh. Because as we all know, that there, there are plenty of ceilings that are invisible in the outdoors. Right? Well, maybe there were just some tree branches you couldn't see. Yeah. There must have been something off-screen blocking your jumping. Man, that's that's so right. How could I possibly have not known that? Or how about using many, many, many bombs to open one target? Well, you know, back in those days, Mike... Bombs weren't quite as effective as they are today. You know, we've made a lot of advances in bombs over the last few years, okay? Back then, though, it was kind of a hit-or-miss proposition. They just weren't quite as boom as they, you know, are nowadays. You're just trying to apply... The problem is, Mike, you're playing this from a 21st century perspective. You need to put yourself back in the 1993 mindset. It's hard to do, Phil. Especially since I never owned a CDI, and I don't think you did either. 
Did anyone own a CDI? I, I no. 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 And if I did, I would have taken it back. <laughs> and, oh yes, we haven't even dealt with the infamous cartoon cutscenes of these games. With their beautiful renditions of what Link and Zelda would look like animated. Oh, they were beautiful, man. It was like watching art in motion. I mean, there must have been at least, what, two and a half frames per second there? It was so smooth. I think it might be a whole four frames per second, man. You oh, know? Wow. These, had, these had high budgets. I think a whole two people worked on them. Well, mm, now based on what I've heard, I will say that the music back, is back. Nice, back but... in those days, it wasn't unusual for good games to be made by one or two people. So that, that that's nothing special. And you know, I can't remember his other complaints of the first two games, but the third one, where you are also playing as Zelda and it's an overhead, gosh, it, it just makes you pine for the days when disc-based games had to load all the time, doesn't it? Oh, yeah. Each new room you go into. <laughs> Everybody remembers those glorious load times when you play a disc-based game, right? Because those were fun. Uh, and from what I understand, Zelda's Adventure is also kind of buggy. You have to be very lucky to finish it, including its uh, seemingly buggy save feature. At least the nerd encountered that. You know, again, it just kind of goes back to the whole challenge thing. You know, if you, if the save worked all the time, <laughs> where, where would the fun be in that, you know? Remember, part of role-playing games is randomization. I mean, when you play D&D and you roll that dice, you don't know if it's going to come up a 1 or a 20. You might live or die on that one dice roll. Well, you know, they decided to put a little bit of that into the save functions of Zelda. You hit the save button, you don't know if it's really saving or not. That's just some of the fun. Yeah. Every game should be like that. You turn off the power and you're not sure if you're going to be able to come back where you left off. <laughs> that just adds an element of surprise. <laughs> that's what it's all about, my friends. A wholesome game experience that's fun, challenging, and, you know, at the They're time... Expensive. <laughs> I mean, most other Zelda games... Might be worth what you pay for them, but this one, $180 plus, well, that's just, that's just pressed gold right there, isn't it? <laughs> Mr. Apps, I assume you also watched the nerds' videos of these. Uh, what other complaints on Zelda's Adventure in particular do you recall? Uh, I think you pretty much covered just about everything. I remember some of the animations being incredibly creepy and just weird. Oh, the, the nonsensical map. I remember that. Yes. 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 The straight the map where you go through one room and, oh, it takes you to the room right next to it. And then you go into another room and it takes you to a completely different part of the map so that the map was essentially useless. Oh, but Phil, I'm sure, has a reason why the map is not self-explanatory. Don't you, Phil? Mm-hmm. Um, well, 
Let's see here. Before this game, what, do we have? Do we have? Uh, what, did this come before? This came before after Link to the Past, right? Yes. And there was a map in that one, right? Yeah, it was a very nice map too. Yeah, yeah, but again, you know, did you remember how easy people got through that game? I mean, I didn't even have to look up uh, a Nintendo Power for that for that Link to the Past. You know, it needed more difficulty, man. It's just way too easy. This is true. If you make the map nonsensical, then the game does get a lot harder. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now you're getting it. Challenge equals fun. They learned that with Zelda 2. <laughs> of course. Um, oh, yes. And using items. Wasn't that fun? How you have to actually select the sword in order to use it instead of having it be standard equipment and using another item with your other button? Well, you feel remember this is a role playing game. Link as a as you know, as a character in a story, every time he's facing a monster, he needs to put his hand on his hilt, pull that draw draw that sword out and get it in position. We're just asking the players to do the same thing, and that's what really draws them into the Zelda experience. Bombs that maybe don't always work, save functions that are hundred percent, you know, menus that are complicated, maps that are complicated. Maps aren't easy to make. Have you tried making a map? Maps that are hard to pull up and stuff. These are all elements that really just draw you in and really make you feel like you're in a role-playing game experience. You know, you're absolutely right, Phil. This is the closest Zelda ever got to being a true RPG. Like a pen and paper game, because you never quite know what you're going to get. There you go. Now you're getting it, Mike. <laughs> I, I'm proud of you, man. You've come so far this evening. I see that you have a new perspective and a new appreciation for the Zelda trilogy on the CDI. Well, talking about these games is so educational. I'm it glad is. We- it is. Absolutely. Without the existence of these games, think how much we'd take for granted with the other Zelda games, don't you think? Admittedly, not many people have actually played them, but they're so legendary. Uh-huh. Even though people haven't played them, their reputation is undeniable and unmatched. Uh-huh. I mean, this, 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 this series of games was totally underappreciated. <clears throat> I, have, I have to wonder, is there a fan site somewhere out there for these <laughs> yeah, probably there is if you well, well hardcore gaming has an article where somebody defends link the faces of evil and zelda wand of gamelon but hardcore gaming also has a page where zelda's adventure is consigned to the garbage heap because it's a buggy mess that likes to break on you <laughs> and it should be noted that not much of what the defender of the first two games says is actually a refutation of what the nerd had to say. <laughs> Although there is apparently a way to block, which the nerd never found. Interesting. This is what we call yeah. good times. Yeah, so this game used two buttons, right? One was yeah, obviously the CDI controller had, or whatever. Uh, had three buttons last I checked. So what what did the second button do? Open the menu? I think yes. Or, or maybe it was a, just a general interaction button. I'm not sure. I, I'd have to watch his video again. Or Yeah, 
one was for using items, one was for everything else. Uh, I don't remember the details right now. I'm sorry. Sorry, man. He was very angry at the end of that. He was very angry, and I, I don't know why after playing such a marvel of video game history. I just don't know what was going through his head. But, I mean, angry is in his name, so it's not illogical to assume that every once in a while that his angry rage fits are totally you know, spontaneous and having nothing to do with the quality of the game whatsoever, or lack thereof. Like most games on the CDI, in fact, like the entire CDI, it is an indelible immeasurably important part of video game history which we simply cannot allow ourselves to forget because otherwise we are doing ourselves a great disservice. Think of how many great games were on that system aside from the Zeldas. Mario's Hotel? (laughs) Right! There's another one! If it weren't for CDI, that game wouldn't exist. I mean, how many other games are... How many other games exist? That are all about closing doors. None. <laughs> None, I tell you. You're right. That, that's an untapped genre to this day. Someone needs to re- exactly. remake Mario's Hotel. Or Hotel Mario. Whatever it's called. We demand a remake. Mario Hotel RPG. Superstar. It's like developers today have forgotten the CDI and the great gaming that it gave us once upon a time. Mm-hmm. Why would that ever happen? I don't know. It's a shame. Brings a tear to my eye. Makes me cry just a little bit. Makes me die a little bit inside. I I can feel the malaise surging out from you. I'm glad I'm not near you right now because you might draw me into a suicidal loop. Mm-hmm. That's what happens every time we talk about the CDI and people who actually hate it. I can't, I can't imagine what hate's going through their mind. You know, you, you don't have to embrace the system. You don't have to love the system, but don't hate it, okay? There's no room in the world for negativity. Like and a 3DO fanboy you with know, all the hate it's coming from. I'm telling you. Yeah, those 3DO fanboys who had 700 bucks to blow on the system back in the day. Get over it, dude. So you can afford that massively expensive system. So what? Where are the Neo Geo fanboys who were exclaiming over they had 200 bucks to spend on each game. Yeah. What about all those Lynx fans, huh? <laughs> mm Okay, all right. I've 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 dried myself up and um and um <clears throat> pulled myself back together. I think we're ready to bring the show to a close if there's no other comments about this moving and awesome trilogy in the in the Zelda history. Nope, okay. We'll be right back after these commercial messages. Thank you. 
Mr. Mike. Do we have any interesting, fun things going on in the forums uh, this week after our 51st uh, show? Well, let me refresh my memory. It was our uh, it was our uh, our show about those wonderful SNES. Let's see here. Ombre told us that he couldn't wait to see what we thought about them. He liked Final Fantasy Mystic Quest and played it three or four times. He never did manage to beat Secret of Evermore, though. You know, I I, I got another friend who's playing Mystic Quest as much as we bashed it, and he's like 30-some years old, but he's played all the way through and seemed to somewhat enjoy the experience. I can't say I share the sentiment. (laughs) But, uh, you know, maybe maybe these are the type of people that really need to try out the CDI. (laughs) I think they might, you know, they might see it in a more positive light themselves. You know, you're absolutely right, because the CDI, from all we know, grants you a level of experience unlike any what you can get anywhere else. Unparalleled. Because, after all, I don't think CDI emulators are particularly popular on the internet, and the games are not going to be shown on the Virtual Console or PlayStation Network or anything like that. Let me, let me explain something here, Mike. If you were able to somehow emulate this on the PC and you downloaded an emulator and the ROMs and the whole nine yards and you played it with a Logitech controller or something along those lines, that would be a SIN. S-I-N. All capital letters. Don't do it. Go out and buy yourself a genuine CDI and play it with the original CDI controller the way it was meant to be played. And enjoy the experience. Because there's nothing else like it on Earth. As Richard said, the wireless controller for the CDI, its unreliability is exactly what gives you that pen and paper feel. You never know what's going to happen. That's right. In, in, in a pen and paper, when you swing the sword, it's a 50-50 chance you're going to hit. With the remote control CDI controller, it's pretty much about the same. That's great. Other comments. Yeah. Armored Priest mentioned that Secret of Evermore had awesome music. It was an early effort for Jeremy Soule. And for those who don't know, Mr. Soul went on to do the music of the Elder Scrolls games. Oh, well, that's... I did not know that. That is a very, oh. very interesting tidbit. Thank wow. you very much. Who was that, Sir Dedrick? Herdick? No, that, like that. that was Armored Priest. Armored Priest. Thank you very much, Armored Priest. Look who has it. made exactly one comment on our forums. Yeah, it was a very nice comment, too. We'll never see him again. All right, so... Um, Shaden asked if Mystic Quest beat Bioware to the punch by having an alternate sexuality of the main character. I don't remember the ending, but apparently it could be interpreted that way. You what? know, I, I can't say I stuck around that long. So I'll <laughs> I, take his word I, for it. No idea what they're talking about. Sir Erdrick gave us a history lesson on the English language, and yes, Old English was technically spoken nearly and over a thousand years ago and would be completely unintelligible to modern viewers. Uh when we speak in older styles, we are emulating Elizabethan style of English, which is also known as early modern. And Quintet Fan appreciated my Dragon Slayer mention, but thought I was a bit harsh. I can't imagine why. <laughs> Saying that the only reason it was mentioned is because a lot of the last episode was spent discussing the history of the JRPG. Well, yeah, Dragon Slayer was influential for the JRPG genre, but I have to say, Dragon Quest was more influential. 
Hmm. Just a little bit. Just a teeny tiny bit, though. And really Gaijin, Gaijin wished he could have been online. Unfortunately, he was away from his computer that week. So we did not get to have his company along for the Final Fantasy Mystic Quest and Secret of Evermore talk. He bad, would have been welcomed. Bad, Gaijin, bad. How dare he go away and do things away from the computer? Yeah, hello. Man. So, we Mr. have... Please, please verbally castigate him next time you have a chance. <laughs> Uh, we absolutely invite all of our listeners to leave their thoughts and comments at board.rpgamer.com. Um, as always, you can also email them to jcserverandrpgamer.com. I need to check that email address. I haven't gotten it in a long time. Either people really hate me or it just doesn't work. Hmm. Anywho, um, let's wrap this up and give everybody a few minutes, like we like to do, to sound off. What's on your mind? Did you do something on the website lately? Are you playing something you want to share? Anything on your heart or your mind that you want to share with our vast audience? Let's start with Mr. Apps. Well, I have the esteemed honor of getting to review Disgaea 4. Sweet! But I'm not going to say anything about it. I'm just going to wait till the review. Bogus! Didn't you also get the esteemed honor of reviewing Cladon 2? Yes, I'm going to get a review out for that soon. So Sweet! I delete it from my PSP and forget it ever existed. Bogus! <laughs> <laughs> Did you play the first one? Yes. Is it, so is it worse than the first one, I take it? I played the first one. Yeah, yeah, but is the second? You, but you reviewed the second one too, right? No, no, no. Oh, you played the it's second. Only... No. Oh. <laughs> second one is not yet. Oh. I've only played the first one, and well, I will say that you can see what the game's going to be like in the first hour because it kind of repeats itself a little bit. Just a little bit. Teeny, little bit. teeny tiny bit. Yeah. Well, that's just the game making sure you get it. Some people need extensive repetition to get the point. Yeah, I mean, come on, yeah. come on, Mr. Apps. You know, you need to have some intestinal fortitude there. Uh, I guess, I guess, you know, fighting a bunch of multicolored warthogs once is clearly not enough. Clearly. Hello. Yes. How can you only do that once? It's like Pringles. Once you pop, you can't stop. I mean, come on. Did Mario just stomp on one Goomba in the game? You know, Super Mario Brothers? Hello? You gotta have lots of them. No, but those did grow wings eventually. Well, you know, they do do palette swaps. Did, did your bulls or whatever come in different colors? Oh, they did. Okay, there you go. Well, there was green turtles the and red turtles. didn't really mean anything. Well, I mean, how much difference was there between green and red? One jumped off a ledge as the other one didn't. They both killed you. What's the point? You know, that, that's pretty much how these... And, you know, at Super Mario, you hail it as a classic, and yet you put down Claude in for it. I'm a little disappointed, Mr. Apps. Well, it's a little bit more than that. You're just a little close-minded, aren't you? Hmm? I think he just regrets that he can't jump on them and be done with it. <laughs> Maybe we can arrange that for you. Actually, that's what he did to his PSP after he was done playing the game. <laughs> Took it out and jumped on it like a Goomba. <laughs> crunch, 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 crunch. <laughs> yeah. I hope to have the review of that up soon. Well, I look forward to it so that I can put the appropriate comments on our forums, which can be found at board.rpgamer.com. All right. 
Moving on, Mr. Reimer, anything you'd like to share with our massive audience this evening? Um, when you earlier said, discuss anything you want on this episode in the po- um, in the podcast thread, once again reminding, do not mutter a single phrase about Zelda not being an RPG. <laughs> We're not allowed to open that can of worms in the forums. I will automatically delete every single... I will delete any threat. Um, I'll delete any post that does that or heavily alter it. And if you really pimp <laughs> me, I'll get creative. He's gonna he's gonna he's gonna creatively alter it so that your whole argument turns into I love the Zelda games on the CDI, just like Phil said. Can, can, can I write a thread about how Zelda is an RPG because we haven't gotten Tales of Vesperia PS3 in English? <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> there are a couple people on the forums who would loudly acclaim that you're right, I think. <laughs> but but we are allowed to post very long discussions, Mr. Reimer, about how the CDI Zelda games are absolutely the most awesome of all, right? Sure. Sweet. All right. Uh, I'm on that. I'd better make some game pages for him. I don't think we cover them currently because CDI. Mike, fix that oversight immediately. I better do it, yeah. Yeah, hello. How can we call ourselves a comprehensive <sighs> RPG site if we don't cover the three CDI Legend of Zelda games? It's an offense All against right, we, humanity. We need to get somebody on staff with a CDI to review <laughs> the Zelda game. That, that might be a little tough. <laughs> All righty. Anything, yeah. anything else you'd like to share, Mr. Reimer? Uh, no, I'm good. All right, moving on to Miss Cassandra. I better use this moment to research how much CDI systems Oh, cost. please do, Mr. McGee. You can share that with us in just a teeny tiny moment. Ms. Cassandra. Uh, yes, I just plug a, a project I'm part, partially part of anyway. It's not directly related with RP Gamer, but it is RPG related. Uh, on the forums, one of our formers by the name of Yormungand has started up uh, a project to basically create a, a original soundtrack for a completely made-up RPG. A couple of months ago, he started a thread uh, called Want to Write for Fake RPG, in which we, a couple of, like me and a couple of other uh, formers, threw ideas at each other, like that, that it's not like, sound like be part of a typical JRPG, and see which one stuck, kind of, you know, fix and mash them, create our own original story, and he's already, he made up a track list, and already we've got like uh, 80 tracks taken by I don't know how many composers, and I think there's still like a little under 20 left. So if there's any composers out there that's listening to this, if, if, if you're already not part of this, some of you might be for all I know. I don't know who he's contacted about this. Uh, if this sounds interesting, you can go over to our forums. Um, it's under the miscellaneous sub-forum. It's, again, the title of the, of the thread is Want to Write for a Fake RPG. And you can contact your monk in. There's some links to the, uh, like, the links to his blog spot on this. The, uh, the direct link there, in case you're not a member of the forums, is... Uh, Project BGM, B, project-bgm.blogspot.com. There you can contact him there as well. And, uh, yeah, even if you're not a composer, perhaps you play an instrument, you can help somebody, or you can uh, even just check it out if you're interested. Some people have posted a, a couple of tracks. Or help us come up with a title, too. We're still haven't come up with a title for fake game yet. It's, yeah, pretty interesting. Mm. Can't wait to finish. Nice. Okay, Mr. Minky, any solid information on that CDI uh, price estimate yet? Jeez, eBay is pretty sparse with the information. One system by itself did not sell at $40. 
one system that had three games, one of which happened to be Zelda Wand of Gamelon, hmm. sold for a little over 100 bucks, and the only one on right now on the eBay site, I don't know about Half.com, is $210 for Buy It Now with five games, none of which are Zelda or Mario, or you can make an offer. Hmm. That's a tough one, Mr. Mike, but I would say that this system is worth whatever the cost. Go out and buy it today. 200 300 it shouldn't matter. Money money should be no object to a true Zelda fan. You speak wise words. Is there anything you would like to share with the audience, Mr. Mickey? Any projects, reviews, or anything like that you're working on? Well, I put up a review today, but I'm not going to talk about it this time because I'm going to talk about it next time. Didn't you put up a review not that long ago, though? Today? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's the review I'm going to talk about next time. No, but I mean before that. Didn't you just do another one before that? What, the Grand Stream Saga? Hmm, maybe that was it. Did you talk about that one already? Uh, I can give it a quick overview, which is that, yes, it's not exactly appealing to the eye, but it's less unappealing than some other PS1 games I've seen. In fact, I... Kind of like the faceless look. It's distinct. <laughs> I also say that combat is kind of frustrating in that game, so you're going to have to overlook it and just accept that your main character gets wailed on a lot because he's not quite fast enough blocking when he should be blocking, and also that it was a little early to make a 3D fighting game-style engine for an RPG. Hmm. Nowadays, it's practically required. <laughs> And also, I would like to say that when you have a black enemy spewing black breath on a black background, it can be really, really hard to see what his where his attack is. You know, perhaps you could have just taken that negative statement, Mr. Mickey, and turned that a little bit more positive in saying that it provided some additional challenge. <laughs> Except I can't, because that was a very specific encounter. It wasn't a common enemy. Mr. Mike... In real life, have you ever have you ever been in fight with a gigantic monster before in your life? Well, does the time I got hit by a car count? No. Now, <laughs> let me explain something. Monsters do not care whether or not you, as the hero, can see in the dark or not. It is totally realistic to assume that every once in a while you might have to fight a monster in the dark. That's just bringing more realism to the set. Oh, but it's not dark. It's just a it's just a black ground. Okay. Well, maybe sometimes they have black ground. What's, what's the wall? Black? The walls are gray. Okay. It's all good. <laughs> I'm just saying, perhaps you're being a little too negative. That, that's all, man. I, I will grant the possibility. All right. Besides, I tried to be more positive about the game than most who have reviewed it said, when they just said that the graphics suck and that is why it sucks. Wait, you said this was on the PlayStation and not the CDI? Exactly. Oh, it sucks, man. This game stinks. Stay away from it, people. <laughs> what the hell? How dare you push this trash onto our listeners? Wow. Any... Phil, this was three weeks ago, man. I know. Before we brought it into the light just how awesome the CDI is. I know. And once you've gone CDI, you don't go back. And lest I remind you, I didn't buy a CDI yet. Are you going to supply me with one? No, but I expect you to pull out all of that, all the stops to make sure that you secure one for your very own. Just think, you might be our only staff uh, reviewer with a CDI. How awesome would that be? That'd be like the first person who gets a PlayStation 4 like months before anybody else does. 
It's like this. I'm sorry. We we undervalued Les- Zelda's adventure. I'm looking at the prices it went for recently. Mm-hmm. $265. That tells you just how much of a classic gem that game is. Absolutely. See, now that's a true Zelda fan. Whoever won that auction. Exactly. That's right. We Whoever yes. won that auction, if you're listening to this, we want you to write in just so we can tell, talk about how awesome you are for buying this game for 200 and- 50 or 60 bucks that could have been given to poor char- starving children in Africa. So make sure you write it. <laughs> Man, all right. Um, as for me, um, lately I have been uh, doing some uh, Warcraft now. They have that whole patch in that lets you play with your friends no matter what server they're on. That is super awesome. So we're doing some dungeon running with some friends that I just never got to play with in the past because I refused to pay Blizzard 50 30 but whatever the price is to move my characters on different servers so it's really awesome they got that put in there and playing some magic the gathering 2012 not really a role-playing game but um this one's definitely better than 2011 if you're into magic the gathering and card games and the such so if you're interested in any one of those games they're obviously both multiplayer games and uh, you can feel free to write me maybe we can hook up and play a few hands or run a dungeon or something so um that's all at jc servant at rpgamer.com Let's... Oh, yeah. Go ahead. We undervalued the the first two CDI games too. They're routinely going over seventy five dollars now. Oh, jeez. Some people will just absolutely know the value of this series. Just absolutely, my my hats off to them. They have more money than I do. All right. So next uh, next show, what are we talking about, Mister Minky? We're talking about another Triace game that actually gets universal acclaim, which for Triace stuff is pretty unusual called Radiata Stories. Almost as unusual as a bad Zelda game. Maybe not. <laughs> Sorry, just throwing you for a loop there. You're going to be here for that, aren't you, Mr. Epps? Um, well, I haven't played as much of it as I had hoped, but I will try You've to got do two so weeks. before the episode. I know. Just picture Arnold Schwarzenegger with the woman's head on his on his own in Total Recall going, two weeks. <laughs> Use it as a spur to goad yourself. Mm, interesting. Mm-mm-mm. If nothing else, it'll give you nightmares until you get it done. Yeah, that's definitely going to give me nightmares. <laughs> that's for sure. Anywho... Oh, let's get it out of the way. Um, RPG Backtrack is a production of RP Gamer, your source for RPG news, impressions, review articles, and home to the best gaming community on the net. Write your questions and comments on our boards or email jcservant at rpgamer.com and help shape our future shows. Don't forget to follow us at twitter.com slash rpgamer and become our biggest fans on Facebook at facebook.com slash rpgamer. As always, listen to our previous podcasts as well as our awesome sister shows RPG Cast and RPG Sanctum, all at rpgamer.com. Dot com. I thank my whole panel of uh, guests this evening for their endurance through this entire podcast of Zelda games. Mr. Mike Minky, uh, who puts this all together and makes this happen, absolutely instrumental. And because of that, we're going to let him have the final word. Amazingly enough, only two of the games we talked about actually required rescuing Zelda. All of them demonstrate why Nintendo games, once upon a time, ruled the world with innovative, enjoyable, enjoyable mechanics. 
They may not be what most people immediately think of when the acronym RPG is uttered, but they're pretty darn fun to play. One helped define the first generation of Nintendo software. One spawned more divisive discussion than should have been possible before the internet. One is universally acclaimed as one of the Super Nintendo's best games, and one showed that the Game Boy wasn't just a depository for crap. If that isn't a recipe for some stuff that warranted reminiscing, the standards need to change. Oh, and we briefly mentioned three games that few have played and fewer have liked. Just uh, forget about them. Go out and buy.